new Scotland Yard investigation into the murder. Thirteen other suspects were also questioned, but no charges have been brought against any of them. A committee of MPs has questioned whether NHS hospital emergency departments are sufficiently prepared for next winter, with a warning that demand could become unsustainable if action isn't taken quickly. The government says waiting times for patients has improved, but the chairman of the Health Select Committee, Stephen Durrell, said there was clear evidence that the health service was under sustained stress. NHS England ought to ensure that there is in place by the end of September this year a plan in every locality to ensure that the demands that we can predict will be placed on the system this winter are going to be met. A Bedfordshire campaigner is echoing the concerns of MPs that there is a rural penalty for living in the countryside. A parliamentary report suggests rural communities pay higher house prices and council tax bills but receive less government funding than urban areas. Alan Appling from the Campaign to Protect Rural England in Bedfordshire says schools, shops and services are key to their survival. Britain's major banks have agreed to publish a detailed regional breakdown for the first time of how much they lend to businesses and consumers across the country. The government, which wants the bank to lend more to boost the economy, says the measure will make the system more transparent and competitive. The oldest lollipop lady in the country has retired from her job in Buckinghamshire. 90-year-old Beryl Newton has worked at the crossing near Chalfont St Giles Infant School for the last 15 years. And she told Three Counties Radio that parents at the school were pleased when she got the job. Because I'd always gone to pick my grandchildren up, mothers knew me, so we all shouted, hooray, and they saw me. In sport, last night's friendlies, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Not a great result for Christian Benteke, who was playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa after all. The Hatters' goals came from John Shaw and Jake Howells. Meanwhile, Stevenage drew 0-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The weather today, a drier day with sunny spells and the possibility of isolated showers. Top temperature, 27 degrees Celsius. That's 81 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I'm fully refreshed. I had a doze yesterday. Not any old doze. I had the doze to end all dozes. I fell asleep at half past twelve, woke up at half past two and thought, I'm not done with this bad boy yet. I want a bit more. I went down for another hour. Obviously, I couldn't sleep last night and that was frustrating. But, but... Lots coming up in the show today. I suspect sometimes when we do a show, we think, oh, this will be a nice show, and it'll, it'll bubble along, and everyone will be friendly and stuff. And sometimes you, you enter into a show knowing that there might be some feisty calls. I suspect we might have some feisty calls today. Should everyone in the UK have to speak English? There was a programme on Channel 4 last night which looked at how hard it is for immigrants who've come to the UK to learn English. Very simple question this morning. Should everyone who comes to the UK have to speak English? 08459 455 555. Steve, the phone lines are open for you now. As a local authority plans to close some of its libraries and mobile library service... Well, when was the last time you used a library? And are too many children being spoilt because their parents bow down to pester power? It's hard, isn't it, when you're with your kids? I want that. Can we get a comic? Oh, I want to do that! And however much you say to yourself, oh, I'm not... No, I'm going to be firm with them. Sometimes it's easier to spend that two quid on an Octonauts comic and shut them up, isn't it? 
Do you bow down to pester power or are you tough? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, want to speak to you on the phones today, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it's been revealed that between April and December of last year, Luton Borough Council spent almost £133,000 on translation services. Does that seem a lot to you? It's almost double the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council over the same period. Well, the first part of a Channel 4 programme was screened last night, which looked at how hard it is for immigrants to learn the English language. The programme was screened after the Treasury insisted that foreign benefit claimants attend language courses or lose some of their benefits. Well, there are plenty of people who don't speak English uh, either at all or very well who are living in the UK. But does that matter? Should everybody in the UK have to speak English? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about talking to people about this. Justin, tell us what happened. Well, well that figure you're talking about there, £133,000, uh, in, in my experience, clearly isn't working. I went out in Luton for 30 minutes. Now, in that time, I found 16 people who could not speak a word of English. This is what happened when I tried to have a conversation with those people. Mine, Maria. Do you speak good English? No, I speak Spanish. How long have you lived in the UK for? Oh, I don't know English, not speaking English, no. You're not even trying to, to, to learn English at all? Oh, no, no. No comprendo, no English. No English, no, sorry. So, do you speak English? Why? How long have you lived here for? To live. I don't know. How long have you lived here in Luton ah, for? here is one year, two months. Since you've been here, have you, have you made a, a conscious effort to, to try and learn our language? language. Have you tried to learn English? English. Uh, Are you taking lessons on how to learn English? Uh, English here. Let's speak English. I mean, with the greatest amount of respect, your English is not very good. Are you Are you trying to learn our language? Are you taking lessons on how to learn English? I don't. No. 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 Understand. No. Understand. No. Understand. Can you speak English? No, speak English. Polish speak. Can I ask you what your name is, madam? No, 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 no. No, no. Is it because you don't speak English? Nie, 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 dziękuję. Speak English, no. Madam, what's your name? Monica. And how long have you lived in Luton for? Uh, no, understand. How long has your friend lived in Luton for? Jak długo mieszkasz tutaj? Three years. Three years, okay. Madam, can I ask you a quick question about Luton? Sorry. <laughs> you don't speak English? Yes, I don't speak English. Sorry. So, Justin, how long did it take you to find those people? 16 people in 30 minutes. So, if I'd have carried that on all day long, we could have found hundreds of people who couldn't speak English. And to be fair, Ian, it was embarrassingly easy. I was not running around for 30 minutes. I found those people incredibly easy. So, if we're talking about £133,000 that, that, that's being spent in Luton to, to help people learn the language, in my experience, that's not working. And we're not picking on Luton here. We were just going on my experience. I work for you as a reporter day in, day out. I go 
all over beds, hearts and bucks. And speaking to people in Luton in particular, that's where I find most people who struggle to speak the language. Justin, thank you very much. We'll be speaking to you later on. Uh, we can speak now to uh, Anne-Marie Holloway, who's the English for Speakers of Other Languages manager at the Luton Adult Learning Centre. Morning, Anne-Marie. Uh, good morning, Ian. How hard is it for uh, immigrants to learn English? It can be very difficult. You have to remember that some of these people come from countries where they've had very little education. They might just have gone to school for a few years. They, can, they probably can't read or write in their own language. And then coming over here, unless they've got someone to really help them learn, they're not able to just pick up a book and do it by themselves. Um, another problem that people face, even if they uh, are uh, educated in their own country, is that they um, perhaps are just working very long hours doing low-paid jobs, um, and they just don't have the time to actually study. Um, I mean, if we think about ourselves, if we were going to try and learn Chinese by ourselves, yes. we might not make a very good job of that. <laughs> I learned Japanese by myself. Oh, excellent. So, you have uh, a talent. Well, no, I'm, I'm rubbish at languages, but if you sit, surely if you sit down with a book and a tape for 20 minutes a day, that, that will get you somewhere, won't it? Um, it will for some people, but there's a lot of people who just can't learn like that on their own. They either don't have the, stud- the study skills because they haven't had much education before, or perhaps they don't have a talent for languages. Or, like I said, they are just very busy. Um, We also uh, work with some people who are homeless. They don't have anywhere where they can sit down and study, really. Um, The only place they might be able to go is the library. Um, But without a fixed address, they can't borrow books. Uh, At present, there are uh, around, I think, about 120 languages and dialects spoken in Luton. Depending on what those languages are, I guess it'll be easier for some people to learn English than others, won't it? Exactly. If you've got the same alphabet as we have or if it's a European language, then there's going to be a lot of similarities from the start, so that does make it easier. But obviously, if you come from a country with a very different alphabet, or perhaps the words go from right to left, instead of us, we go left to right, um, you know, all these things can make it a lot harder, and and, and people are just flummoxed, really. Um, And like I said, some people have very poor reading and writing skills anyway. Do you recommend that people uh, who live here learn a language? Learn English? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, that programme last night on Channel 4 was quite interesting, and some of the reasons that people um, said that, you know, they were unhappy with not being able to speak English, that's true for so many of our learners at Luton Adult Learning. Um, People get trapped in low-paid, casual labour. They feel like children. They feel isolated. Um, They can't... Um, connect with other people and in Luton I mean in the council you know of course we're worried about the fact that um, community tensions can arise when people can't communicate well I guess it can create um, kind of ghettoisation as well isn't it people will stay with people who speak the same language and not integrate fully yeah well you even see that in Spain with all the British expats of course you do yes together you know so uh, we all do it it's a natural human uh, activity really to be with people who speak your language Uh, Anne-Marie thank you very much that's Anne-Marie Holloway the English for Speakers of Other Languages manager at the Luton Adult Learning Centre. You try saying that if you're foreign. What do you think? Should everybody in the UK have to speak English? He raises a good point. The expats in Spain, they don't bother, do they? They all hang out together and go to uh, for full English breakfasts and go to bars that show the X factor. 08459 455 555 Should everyone in the UK have to speak English? There's some cracking comments on Facebook from English-speaking people who haven't quite mastered the language themselves. 
late for Matthew and son. He won't wait. Watch them run down the platform one and the eight thirty train to Matthew and son. misunderstood this song I thought it was about the mundanity of working in lowly paid office work Kelly Betts thinks it's about an enjoyable carpenters (laughs) oh dear kids these days huh about it's a cracking song before catch before cat stevens got tv disappeared for two years then came back as a hippie yeah them's the facts kids them's the facts should you have to speak english if you live in this country oh eight four five nine four double five five double five here's someone who speaks english and a lot of it adam glynn travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio Cheers, Good morning. Everything moving pretty well on the roads. No delays so far on the motorways. Roadworks to be aware of. Well, they've done some work. They're starting it on uh, the A14 Stoke and Church, Wickham Road. Temporary traffic lights up. This is Roadworks as you go through Stoke and Church. Catherine Street in St Albans, the A4147. They're starting off some roadworks today at Etna Road, and those will be there for about a week and a half. Mandeville Road in Aylesbury still have temporary traffic lights for works around North Drive. If you're travelling by train this morning, Greater Anglia running with delays of up to 20 minutes. This is between Bishop Stortford and Cambridge, so if you're heading across that way, you could be affected. It's a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett, and it'll be having knock-on delays for the Stansted Express as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.16, it's Wednesday the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council spent more than £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. A man is due to appear in court accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater Farm riots in North London nearly 28 years ago. In sport, Luton Town beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. 
Coming up in the next hour, there are fears that Luton's mobile library service is facing the axe. Council officers have recommended it should go as it tries to save £600,000. Well, are you shocked by this? Or when was the last time you used a library? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. games of the 30th Olympiad in 2012 are awarded to the city of London. Twelve months ago, Beds, Hearts and Bucks went crazy for sports. But what happens one year on? All this week, ahead of the anniversary of London 2012, Ian Lee and Roberto Peroni will be finding out how much our sporting lives have been affected by the Olympics. That youth and community increase in participation is a is top priority for Sport England. Was it just a phase, or are we all much more active in sports across the three counties? No one would be into it as much as they are now. It's such a popular sport now. Listen to Ian Lee and Roberto Peroni every day this week here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom shakalaka laka boom shakalaka laka boom shakalaka laka boom. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Cause your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I say we can go where we want to. A place where they will never find. We can act like we come from out of this world Leave the real one far behind And we can dance
abuse it, never gonna lose it Everything will work out right I see, we can dance if we want to We can leave your friends behind Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance, well they're no friends of mine I see, we can dance, we can dance Everything's out of control We can dance, we can dance We're doing it from pole to pole We can dance, we can dance Everybody look at your hands We can dance, we can dance Everybody's taking a chance Dance Well it's safe to dance Yes it's safe to dance Well it's safe to dance Well it's safe to dance Yes it's safe to dance Well it's safe to dance Well it's safe to dance It's safe to dance Well it's safe to dance Imagine doing a safety dance. I can't believe that health and safety would approve any dances. When was the last time you used your library? I'm a big fan of libraries, but, but, I know what libraries need to turn them around and save them. I've been thinking about this a lot. They need uh, a Heston Blumenthal, like he did with Little Chef. Not quite with Little Chef, because that didn't work. They need a Mary Portas, like she did with Small Towns. Not quite like that, because that didn't work. But they need someone to go in, because libraries are amazing... But they're a little bit dull and dowdy and boring. They need someone to go in and modernise them. Give them a kick up the backside, don't they? I've been thinking about this. I know exactly what to do. And I am certainly open to offers to go and help. Well, the reason I've been thinking about it is because there are fears that Luton's mobile library service is facing the axe. Council officers have recommended it should go as it tries to save £600,000. Two libraries at Wigmore and Sundon Park have also been earmarked for closure. The Central Library and the one in Berry Park will stay the same. Others will have either their hours reduced or staffing changed. Well, this is what local people in Wigmore felt about their thre- uh, the threat to their library. It would be a loss to the local area. I think it's good for the children. I used to use it a lot when my kids were young. I know quite a lot of people in my work area that go there on their lunch breaks and everything to get books. Just need to do local research and things like that. And also for the kids in the local area. So the next closest library would probably be the town centre, which is quite far away, to be honest. So it's not an ideal situation if it does close. I think it would be a great shame. I mean, it's, it's a service that I actively use and I think it's important as an access to information, periodicals. It's, it's a resource. I think if we, if we lose it, certainly for those of us that are on limited incomes, I think it would have a, a big impact. Well, when was the last time you used your local library? 08459 455 555. Joined now by Barbara. Barbara uses the mobile library service in Stopsley. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. How often do you use this mobile library service? Um, it's not Stopsley, it's Leegrave, Ian. Oh, oh I do apologise, Barbara. I've been given false information. I will find out who did it and have them fired. Oh, you do that. I'm going to do that. So how often do you use this service? I use the mobile library every week. And why is it so important to you, Barbara? Um, because... But first, I read a lot because I can't do much else. I've got rheumatism and arthritis in my hands and arms. Yeah. Um, I don't watch TV. I spend quite a bit of time reading. I enjoy reading. Um, I've used the library down the ages. My children have. My grandchildren do. And it's very convenient. I can't walk far to libraries. I have to have somebody come with me because I lose my balance because of my di- I'm a diabetic. And um, I enjoy it. They're very helpful. And so do, how does it work? It's, it's been a long time since I've seen a mobile library. Does it pull up outside your house? No, no. It um, finds somewhere on the estate that's quite local and yep. it's um, safe to park. 
It's here from half nine till 12 o'clock every Thursday morning. The staff are very, very helpful. And how busy is it? Quite busy, really, and it's going to be busier through the school holidays. Right. A lot of mums bring children down there. They put um, different things on for the children to do. Um, They can read so many books in the holidays, and they give them awards for reading. Um, And a lot of people use it. There's two um, computers on that mobile library. And it's very useful for people that can't afford bus fares to town to find jobs. Yep, yep. Um, our family, I've got a family with four or five out of work, and they wear a lot of footwear out walking down to town because they can't afford bus fares. So they use a mobile library. The, the people are making cuts everywhere. Uh, money's having to be saved. This money could possibly be spent better elsewhere, couldn't it? Um, possibly, but... You know, if they keep taking things away from um, the people of Luton, we'll have nothing in the end. You know, they're taking the firework display away. They're doubtful about the Christmas fights. Um, yeah, I agree. They could cut the hours down or close one day a week. Yeah. You know, but... How much of a loss would it be for you, Barbara, oh, if the mobile library was gone? Tremendous. I read three to four books a week. As I say, they find me big print because I've got a job with my eyes. Um, they're very helpful with other things. They help you fill forms in. They'll find out information for you. Um, being an OAP, I just can't afford to buy books. What, what, you are, you, what are you reading at the moment, Barbara? Um, a family saga. A family saga book. What, ooh, um, who's that by? Um, oh. Annie, Annie Jacobs. Oh, I've not. Is it, yeah. is it any good? Yeah, it's fine. It depends, as I say, on what sort of books you read and what you want. Yeah. Um, I mean, my children all use the library for looking up for things for school because I had four and couldn't find books. Yeah. And my daughter was at university at Hull. When she came home, she'd done a lot of coursework finding out things for the library. For the library. Barbara, I really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, that's Barbara, who uses the mobile uh, library service in Leegrave and is upset that it, it looks like its days are numbered. Well, the recommendation will go before the council next Monday. What do you think? I- I'm a big fan of libraries. Books is knowledge. Books is knowledge. Libraries are great. But when was the last time, seriously, you used a library? When I, uh, where we used to live, we'd go to the library probably once a week because they had a brilliant kids section. Oh, it was fantastic. And they had toys in there and they would, we, the boys would go in there. We'd go in there for two or three hours. Go in there, the boys would play with the toys. They'd get bored. They'd come and read a couple of books. Then they'd go off and play a bit. Then they'd get, go and read some more books. They'd have entered. You don't have to be quiet in libraries anymore. That was a shock. But libraries, I think, to make them work, they need a kick up the backside because lots of them are quite dowdy, miserable-looking places. They need to be made a bit sexier. Have burlesque Tuesdays. I'm being slightly flippant, but it needs something, doesn't it? Two questions. How do we make libraries sexier? And when was the last time you used it? Be honest. If it, wasn't, if it was years ago, let me know and tell me why you stopped using them. 08459 four double five five double five or send me a text. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Right. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still pretty quiet at the minute. Everything looking good on the M25 through the roadworks. No problems on the M1 on the cameras. And I'm just having a look at the M40 past High Wycombe and it all seems to be moving pretty well as well. 
If you're going to be driving into Bishop Stortford, they have closed Lindsay Road for works this week between Rye Street and Barrels Down Road. And Pointers Road in Dunstable is still closed off for the major works across the summer, so it's going to be shut till about the 15th of September between the A505 at the Tesco Roundabout and Wheatfield Road at the Woodside Industrial Estate. Diversion is and will remain the A505 Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue until they get that open again. On the trains this morning, if you're travelling with Greater Anglia, they have delays of up to 20 minutes. Bishop Stortford to Cambridge, signalling problems at Stansted at Mount Fitchett, causing 20-minute delays to the Stansted Express down into London as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 6.30, let's get the news and sport now with Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. the headlines, it's emerged that Luton Borough Council spent more than £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. A man stew in court accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater Farm Rights in North London nearly 28 years ago. And a committee of MPs has questioned whether NHS hospital emergency departments are sufficiently prepared for next winter, with the warning that demand could become unsustainable if action isn't taken quickly. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In last night's friendlies, Luton Town beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. It's a great result for Hatter's scorers John Shaw and Jake Howells. Not so good for Christian Benteke, who was playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa after all. Meanwhile, Stevenage drew 0-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The pre-season friendlies continue tonight with matches for Watford, MK Dons and Wickham. Gianfranco Zola takes Watford to Peterborough, hoping his new signings will gain more valuable experience of life in England. I want them to, to get accustomed to what is like over here and uh, and I want them to start uh, th- uh, working out uh, solutions. MK Dons host Spanish side Rayo Vallecano with a 7.30pm kickoff at Stadium MK and Wickham make the short trip to Burnham again with a 7.30 kickoff. In athletics, newlywed Jessica Ennis-Hill made her return from injury at a low-profile meeting in Loughborough last night. She threw Why? A, well, because she wanted to and that's what she does. She threw a personal best in the javelin and won the long jump, but she's still unsure about her prospects for next month's World Championships. Here's more from our athletics correspondent, Mike Costello. Ennis-Hill had delayed her return to action five times and any frustration appeared to be cast aside as she threw a lifetime best effort of 48 metres, 33 centimetres in the javelin. She then won the long jump but revealed afterwards that the Achilles problem which had sidelined her is still painful. She'll assess how the ankle responds now in the run-up to the London Anniversary Games where she's entered in the long jump and the sprint hurdles on Saturday. Having not completed a heptathlon since the Olympics, Ennis Hill is adamant she won't go to next month's World Championships in Moscow if she doesn't believe she can win gold. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at seven o'clock. Her Achilles heel is her Achilles heel. A tendon, actually, but nice try. So, <laughs> we've... Caref- thank you very much. We've carefully avoided a lot of the front pages this morning and we've not mentioned yet the baby. The royal baby. Is there a baby? There's a, there's a baby and oh. we've seen pictures of it and it looks like a baby! It really does. It hasn't got a lizard's tail or a tongue, unlike that lad that was in the paper well, yesterday. Well, it was wrapped up. I don't think that's fair to... I think we can assume it hasn't. We can assume it hasn't. Uh, but the thing that's getting me is uh, there was a story in the paper that Lego have made a Lego royal baby and there's all this ridiculous royal baby memorabilia and, and toys and things. 
I'm, I'm really trying to scratch my head and wonder what kind of <laughs> pathetic, soulless, easily led, dumb idiot would buy that kind of stuff. Me. You. Yeah. What have you bought, you muppet? Well, it's not muppetry. I think it's nice, you know, and especially you can use it as a learning experience what have if you, you have under five year olds, as I do. What have you bought? I've bought the Royal Baby set from the Early Learning Centre. Oh. Others are available. They're not available anywhere else. Oh, Catherine. What? No, no, no. We've got the Royal Wedding set. You know, we've got to show what happens when you get married. <laughs> <laughs> I did expect more from you, though. You've been sucked in. All this stuff yesterday. Oh, I'm not interested in this baby. Oh, no, no, no. I never said I wasn't interested. I said it was nice, but I don't know. Um, I wasn't moved to, like, put the bunting out or anything. But yet you've gone and spent money on it. Well, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. You think you've got off scot-free. You haven't. We'll be talking about the real baby later on. But my new favourite newspaper is the Slightly Dull Independent. Because they're the only... I'm just trying to think. They're the only um, newspaper that hasn't got the baby on the front page. Wonderful. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, we'll be catching up with uh, Irene. Remember, Irene phoned up yesterday. Very excited about the royal baby. Very excited. So excited she was going to go around Luton dressed up in a union flag and tell everyone about it. I thought she was joking. She wasn't. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock. And
BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm enjoying that song far more than is legally allowable. Now, yesterday on the programme, we spoke to Irene from Luton. We were being a little bit grumpy about the royal baby. I, w- I couldn't get excited about it, and I was asking, if you're not excited, is there something wrong with you? Well, Irene was so excited about the royal birth that she planned to mark her day, uh, she ma- planned her day to mark what she sees as a huge occasion. This is Irene from yesterday. I'll be going around town in my British flag, me and a few girls, mm. and we're celebrating the birth of the grandson. Why? Because I love Lady Diana. One, she's born the same month as me. What? Now her grandson is born the same month as me. So, you know, I'm going out to celebrate, and me and a few girls going downtown, Luton Town yeah. Centre, and we're celebrating the birth and making sure everybody in Luton know that she has a boy. I'm going to make sure I shout it. Go on, shout it nice and loud now. Congratulations! It's a boy. Anything else? Oh, uh, No. Royal Britannia. Anything else you want to shout? Yeah, God bless him and keep him. Lots to shout there, including Royal Britannia. Well, yesterday Justin Dealey annoyed me slightly, and I thought, just to kind of put him in his place a bit, getting too big for his boots, I thought I'd send him out to meet Irene. And Justin, that's <laughs> not mentioned yesterday, you, uh, you mm. did go out with Irene, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, this was an experience that I will never, ever forget. I met Irene and her crew, Ian, and this is what happened. So, Irene, the time's what, 12.35? We're outside the town hall here in Luton. Tell us what you're wearing, first of all. I'm wearing the Union Jack. Well, with things underneath, but the Union Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us who you've got here as well with you today. Yeah, I've got my sisters with me. We are family. Yes, we're making the effort because, you know what, they said Luton is dull. Luton is not dull because I live here and we're happy people. Yeah, if you're here, Luton's certainly not dull. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to stand back and let you guys sing in a second. Right, good luck. Yes, okay. Oh no, we lost it! Oh, my computer's crashed! Justin Dealey, what I happened? My computer has completely crashed. I can't believe it. It was just starting to get really good. Are you doing that on purpose? No, I'm not doing it on purpose. You are, aren't you? No. You are a mean man. I am not doing it on purpose. I know what you're alluding to. I'm mm. not doing it on uh, purpose. The, the whole Radio Man system, which is the playout system we use here, without getting too technical, has surprisingly frozen. So, mm, no, yeah. the yeah. accusation. Hang on a second. That is out of order. The accusation I've done this deliberately is bang out of order because I would not do such a thing. I'm more, <coughs> despite the fact we can do this now if you want, Justin, or we can do it after nine o'clock. Which would you prefer? Well, 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 whatever you want to. Right, we'll do it now. Okay. The, the very fact that you would consider I would do this. Right, we're gonna. Tr- I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I can fix it for you. Hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Let's let's okay. try. Let me just. Unbelievable. Let's try this. So Irene, the time right, we'll again. Five. We're outside the town hall here in Luton. Tell us what you're wearing first of all. I'm wearing the Union Jack. Well, with things underneath, but 
the union, Jack. <laughs> Tell us who you've got here as well with you today. Yeah, I've got my sisters with me. We are family. Yes, we're making the effort because you know what? They said Luton is dull. Luton is not dull because I live here and we are happy people. Yeah, well, if you're yeah. here, Luton's certainly not dull. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand back and let you guys sing in a second. Right, good luck. Yes, okay. Goodness me, when I joined the BBC, this wasn't in the brochure. But let's keep on walking through the town centre. They are telling people it's a boy. Sir, can I just get your reaction? We've got a number of ladies walking through Lucent Town Centre here, dressed up in uh, Union Jack outfits. They're telling people it's a boy. Did you know it was a boy? Yep, knew it would have been, yeah. Well, this is awkward. Hello. You know she had a boy, innit? Madam, these ladies are spreading love in Luton. Are they doing it for you? Absolutely, yes. I'll, I'll take as much love as you've got. <laughs> Just to confirm again, you did know it was a boy. Absolutely, £8.6. Irene, what's next on the playlist? Oh, Royal Britannia. Right, rule, I'm going to stand back. Rule, 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 rule Britannia. R-U-L-E, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right, I'll read... Yeah. <laughs> this seriously. Right, I'm going to stand back. Take it away. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the way. England never, never shall be days. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the way. applause for yourself come on fantastic just going to ask this man here sir sorry to interrupt your ice cream what flavor is that by the way i'm not sure caramel what did you make of that performance there oh very good very yeah. good very unexpected is it making you feel proud to be british uh 50 50 actually and what about yourself what's your name madam uh yvonne does that make you feel proud to be british yes does yeah it does and these outfits so uh, do you fancy buying one yourself no <laughs> how can you eat an ice cream and be unsure of what the flavor is uh well he was he was but there you go that was uh, irene irene will be joining you later on fantastic um, she actually did it she actually did it yeah she went out Royal Britannia. the picture's going to be on facebook or twitter later on uh, they were dressed up in the union jack outfits telling people yesterday it was a boy and um singing songs about uh, the king or the prince of cambridge however they wanted to phrase that it's a boy in it so well, yeah she'll be on the program later fantastic and i just uh, do you i mean do you want to apologize for what I didn't do that deliberately. The computer system froze. Yep. Hands up. I apologise. But then again, you know, based on yesterday's negative we views about the raw baby, I just thought you were doing that on purpose. It was a typical Ian Lee trick. But if you're saying it wasn't, I believe you. Good. OK. Good. Got an email here. I'm not interested in that. You sure? Uh, if it's, is it the email that, that I saw earlier? Yeah, the complaint no, not, about no, your behaviour yesterday. Right. Thank you very much, Justin. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's starting to slop on the M25 anti-clockwise as you would expect coming into the roadworks section from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield Junction 26 to 25. Also quite heavy though from the M1 to Kings Langley Junction 21 to 20. In Wendover they continue with the gas main work on Tring Road so temporary traffic lights are up near Hale Road and in Aiton Buzzard Bridge Street has been shut for roadworks around the High Street. This is in Church Square and they'll be doing that through until the end of the month. Greater Anglia, 20-minute delays still. Bishop Stortford through to Cambridge because of a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett, also causing delays for the Stansted Express down toward London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 6.47 or close enough, it's Wednesday the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council spent more than £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. A man is due to appear in court accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater farm riots in London, North London, nearly 28 years ago. In sport, Luton Town beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 in last night's friendly It Doesn't Count at Kenilworth Road. Coming up, who's the boss? Is it you, the kids, Tony Danza? It's the kids, isn't it? Let's be honest. Especially when it comes to holiday destinations. We always give in. We'll have more on that after the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's certainly a bit of a different feeling outside this morning. It's a little less humid, but we're still hanging on to the warmth. We've got some sunshine around this morning, mixed in with a bit of cloud. There's a very slim outside chance one or two of us could run into a shower as we head through the course of the day, but it's fairly unlikely for most of us. And the temperature remaining reasonable. We're looking at a maximum later on today of around 26 or maybe 27 Celsius. That's 81 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, a really nice end to the day as well. Some evening sunshine to enjoy. Clear night to start, but then becoming cloudy and also one or two spots of rain likely to move through in the early hours of tomorrow morning. That's going to hang around tomorrow first thing. Now, the minimum temperature is still quite mild, 15, 16 Celsius. That's 59 degrees in Fahrenheit. So a cloudy start with occasional spots of rain. will move out of the way by the afternoon, leaving some more dry and sunny spells with a temperature tomorrow of around 26 Celsius. That's 79 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's your forecast. Thank you, Kate. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. I said shake, baby. 
man as well, wasn't he? Not a naughty man in pop. 08459 455 555 Are you pestered by your kids? You know what it's like, you're in the show. Oh, can I get a comic? No? You got a comic? Yes? Oh, I'll get com- oh, I want a comic! Sometimes it's easier to buy two quid Octonauts comic because it shuts them up. Sometimes it's easier. You, you think you're going to be a tough parent, you think, oh, just sh- shut up, I will buy it for you. Well, a new report out today shows that parents are pandering to the pester power of their children when it comes to choosing tourist destinations and buying extras on holiday. Are you one of those parents? Well, it seems there are plenty around. He knows from a young age what's right and what's wrong. So when we go to the supermarket or anywhere, big toy store, this is what we're having, this is what we're taking, and that's it. And he's learnt that from a young age, so... I definitely see it every which way you turn in the shops and in um, the toy stores, everything. They just give them everything they ask for. Like when you go to the supermarkets and stuff like that, you have all the sweets at the counter. And the kids just want all sweets. And sometimes you need to give them an alternative, like fruit or something like that. Or as a special occasion, say, well, yeah, you've done your homework or you've tidied your room. Depends on your age. And give them a little treat. Or make it known before you go to the supermarket, well, you can have one sweet or pound in sweets. Makes it a lot easier, so they're getting something while you're doing the shop as well. There's so much children want to be like other children. They see things they want, you know, it's really hard. I mean, I've got a daughter that's got three young children, and sometimes it's easier just to give in and, and buy them something each. Well, Sue Atkins is a parenting expert and author of Parenting Made Easy. She joins me now. Morning, Sue. Good morning. Fascinating listening to those mums. Isn't it just... <laughs> it's so hard. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my kids choose our holiday destination. I could put my foot down at that. But when you're in the supermarket and they, they're having a little tantrum just because they want, you know, a comic, or it's, sometimes it's easier just to buy it to shut them up, isn't it? Well, of course. It's short-term gain, you know, but long-term nightmare, isn't it? Because where does it stop? Then they become like Veruca Salt in, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I watched that yesterday for the first time in years. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. you know, what, what sort of things, what messages are you sending your kids if you give in to every whim? Because let's face it, the world is not going to do that when they grow up. School is not going to do that. And it's a bit like giving the keys of the car to a little kid or to however old the child is, whether they're toddler or teenager, and they haven't passed their test. So they don't quite know what to do with all that power. And what's wrong with your confidence that you can't sometimes say no to your kids? Kids need you to put in boundaries. Mm. They need you to say no sometimes. Not in an aggressive, rude way or horrible, but they need to learn the word no, don't they? But when they're having, when there's a, a three and a half year old having a tantrum mm. in Bunces or Tesco or mm. something, what do you do? Well, I've been there. I've done that. I've got the t-shirt on that. My son did that in Pearly in Sainsbury's on the floor. But you just let him burn it out because whatever he wanted. Then I distracted and then, because he get, you know, he got a little bit scared about his own anger, I think, and his own sort of um, sort of out of control feelings. Then you just sort of pick them up and get on with it, you know. It's part of growing up being, certainly toddlers, that's part of asserting their independence. So my uh, sort of way of dealing with that with the parents I work with on workshops and things is to say offer limited choices. So your child feels ah. they have ah. some sort of independence, right? So for example, you say in the winter time, are you wearing your blue jumper or your green jumper? So they feel they have a choice, but it's implied they're actually wearing a jumper. You get what you want, and the child feels they have some sort of choice. Oh, I like that. So it's, it, it's a lot of parenting I've noticed. I'm three and a half and 18 months old. A lot of parenting, yeah. parenting I've noticed. It's kind of tricking them into thinking that they're, they're coming up with the idea themselves. Yeah, well, you know, that's sort of a, a tactic now and again as well. But I certainly think if you try sometimes, you know, do you want water or do you want orange juice or whatever it is you, you want them to have, a drink, then they feel, as I say, that they have some form of control. But it's not sort of obvious. And you can start pushing, you know, certainly with toddlers, you start insisting, they start resisting. But if you just see it, toddlers and teens are pretty similar, actually, in that they're asserting their independence. And think of it like that. It changes your perception of it helps you relax and be a little more positive and actually then you know you go through this little phase much more easily by um pandering to pester power what problems are we creating for the future sue well as i said uh, straight away you know what sort of monster are you creating because i've seen it i've mm. been a deputy head and a class teacher for 22 years before i did this so you see you know um children who are spoiled and then they don't know how to play with other children because they always want their own way and they also become rather a nightmare with parents because they'll start to want things that clearly are no good and um, you know not helpful they're not healthy and what do you do then when you're out and about and they sort of demand all the time and you're too tired or you know not confident enough to sort of say no or distract them or say you know you can't have that because because then it gets on and on and on to iPads Nike trainers you know Gucci shoes where do you stop talking about my wife now <laughs> uh, no sorry you're off uh, you're running confidence classes today so what's that about yes well I go into school actually it's coming to the end of school time now so i'm off on holiday doing them here in my tudor farmhouse in surrey but um yeah i'm, I'm a great believer that um confidence is an inside job and that you know therefore you know you have to work on your inner confidence with your you know mindset and i've got strategies and techniques and tips and make it fun so i teach kids for two hours how to use strategies and techniques to make themselves feel happier and to sort of succeed in the world if you like sue listen i want to come to your tudor farmhouse in surrey and hang out <laughs> yeah well, why not? It's wonderful. It's I love doing this. It's very important to me working with kids so that we empower them to sort of, you know, fulfil their true potential, whatever that may be for them. Sue Atkins, thank you very much. Parenting expert, author of Parenting Made Easy. Do you pander to pester power? I've uh, got some texts. 
Uh, oh, about libraries. Look at this. Uh, Jen of Houghton Regis says, Our local library is an asset to the community. A visit every other week. The staff are very helpful in ordering books. We had a murder mystery evening last week sorry and a crime writers talk too there are children's story times and reading clubs um and on the subject of buying tat i mean uh, royal baby memorabilia Licker says i have no uh, i have no intention to spend money on anything to do with a royal baby i haven't even bought a daily paper buy the independent if you're not interested in the royal baby they're the only one that's that's got a different front page well done them when was the last time you used your library? And should all foreign people who come to the United Kingdom learn English? Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. At the moment, the M25 anti-clockwise looking heavy from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield. That's the roadworks, of course, and it's busy as you continue round from the M1 toward Kings Langley. The A1 slowing up into London as you come down through Boreham Woods, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Speed sensors not picking up too much going on on the roads elsewhere at the moment. Just having a look at the trains, though, and problems for London Midland. Delays of up to half an hour, Milton Keynes Central through to Watford Junction. They have overrunning engineering works between Bletchley and Berkhamstead, affecting Virgin train services as well. If you're Travelling with Greater Anglia, they have 20-minute delays. This is Bishop Stortford to Cambridge, and it's a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett. It's causing those delays for the Stansted Express down toward London as well. And the Piccadilly Line Tube, that has been suspended between Rainers Lane and Uxbridge because of a signal failure at Ryslip. If you are travelling with the rest of the Piccadilly Line, though, it is running a good service. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, coming up after seven o'clock, here Justin Dealey's package... Well, he went round to people in Luton and said, do you speak English? It's an interesting insight. Well, should you be made to speak English if you live in the UK? On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines Luton's translation spend in the spotlight, MPs highlight rural poverty and Hatters beat Premiership Villa. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council has spent over £130,000 on translation services over the last eight months. That's almost double the £78,000 spent by Hertfordshire County Council for the same period. Anne-Marie Holloway is the English for Speakers of Other Language Manager at Luton's Adult Learning Centre. You have to remember that some of these people come from countries where they've had very little education. They're not able to just pick up a book and do it by themselves. Um, Another problem that people face is that they um, perhaps are just working very long hours doing low-paid jobs and they just don't have the time to actually study. A group of MPs is warning the NHS accident and emergency departments in England could reach crisis point this winter. More now from my health correspondent, Jane Draper. The MPs are clear that this is a system under sustained stress. They criticised the official response to the pressures, saying NHS England was relying on urgent care boards to improve local services, but their responsibilities and authority were unclear. The committee saw staffing levels as being of considerable concern, with fewer than one in five hospital A&D departments able to provide full cover by consultants during the week, and the situation even worse at weekends. 
NHS England said it would consider the MP's findings as part of the current review of the system being led by its medical director, Professor Sir Bruce Keogh. A man will appear in court this morning accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater Farm riots in North London nearly 28 years ago. The Crown Prosecution Service announced yesterday that it had sufficient evidence to charge 44-year-old Nicholas Jacobs. A Beveridge campaigner is echoing MPs' concerns that there is a rural penalty for living in the countryside. A parliamentary report suggests rural communities pay higher house prices and council tax bills but receive much less government funding than urban areas. Alan Appling from the Campaign to Protect Rural England says schools, shops and services are key to the area's survival. For the first time, Britain's major banks have agreed to publish a detailed regional breakdown of how much they lend to businesses and consumers across the country. The government, which wants the banks to lend more to boost the economy, says the measure will make the system more transparent and competitive. Oxfam says its income fell by almost 5% during the past year, a time when global conflict has increased the pressure on its resources. The charity's overall income was almost £18 million lower than the previous year. In last night's friendlies, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Not a great result for Christian Benteke, who was playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa. But those Hatters' goals came from John Shaw and Jake Howells, and Stevenage lost 3-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The weather, a drier day with sunny spells and the possibility of isolated showers. Top temperature 27 degrees Celsius, that's 81 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. Later on as well, we'll replay the package of uh, Justin Dealey out with the fantastic Irene who went around Luton yesterday celebrating the birth of the royal baby. There's a picture of her and her girls up on facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Someone left a very, very rude comment about her. I'm not one for censorship, but I censored it. It's really... Don't be... You know, be be critical, but don't use bad language about her. Very rude. It's gone. Deleted it. Not having that. Now, in the next hour of the show, should everyone in the UK have to speak English? Well, it's been revealed that between April and December of last year, Luton Borough Council spent almost £133,000 on translation service. Almost double the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council over the same period. Well, should everyone in the UK have to speak English? Local authority is planning to close some of its libraries and its mobile library service. Well, when was the last time you used your local library? And are too many children being spoilt because their parents bow down to pester power? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call, 08459 555 Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the telephone number. Well, should everyone in the UK have to speak English? It's been revealed that between April and December of last year, Luton Borough Council spent almost £133,000 on translation services. That's almost double the amount spent by, by Hertfordshire County Council over the same period. Well, the first part of a Channel 4 programme was screened last night, which looked at how hard it is for immigrants to learn the English language. 
programme was screened after the Treasury insisted that foreign benefit claimants attend language courses or lose some of those benefits. Well, there are plenty of people who don't speak English uh, at all, or very well, who are living in the UK. But does it really matter? Earlier on, I spoke to Anne-Marie from the Luton Adult Learning Centre, who said the benefits of learning British, English, are immense. People get trapped in low-paid, casual labour. They feel like children. They feel isolated. They can't um, connect with other people. And in Luton, I mean, in the council, you know, of course, we're worried about the fact that... um, Community tensions can arise when people can't communicate. Well, I guess it can create um, kind of ghettoisation as well, isn't it? Well, you even see that in Spain with all the British expats. Well, uh, Justin Dealey has been out speaking to people, getting your views. Morning, Justin. Oh, Justin, you're there. Sorry, Justin. That's all right. In, um, in Luton recently, I'm, in 30 minutes, I found 16 people who couldn't speak English. It was um, an interesting experiment. You'll hear those views again after eight. Right. A few moments ago, I spoke to Bart. Now, Bart is Polish. He's been living and working in Luton for the last 10 years. And I put the question to him, should everyone living in the UK be speaking English? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I believe they do. Before I came here, I learned English. So I believe they all do. They all should do. Why do you think people aren't bothering them? Because I found 16 people in 30 minutes, and it wasn't hard to find those who couldn't speak English. Why aren't people bothering? Um, maybe because there is so many of them from different nationalities, and they always have that idea that someone will help me who speaks better English than me. That's my thinking. So do you think in Lucent we've almost got ghettos? Uh, ghettos are people who are speaking one language, living together, and they can't integrate with society. I believe language is a very, very important piece of integration. They all should speak English. At home, you do whatever you want, but in a business environment or everywhere else, you speak English. Does it frustrate you, as somebody who can speak very good English, who's made the effort to learn the language before you came here, does it frustrate you that many people aren't following what you did? Yeah, it's kind of sad if you've been here for, let's just say, five years, and you, can't, and you can't make a simple sentence. It's, it is sad, and it is frustrating. For me, yeah, it is sad. It does... I, I can see both sides of this, Justin, and, and whenever I go abroad, I always take a little phrase book with me and at least make an effort, even if it's just for a couple of weeks' uh, holiday. But Ooh. some English... some People who've been born here don't speak English very well. Don has posted <laughs> on Facebook... We've asked the question on Facebook, should you have to uh, learn English if, if you're going to live here? And Don's written... Yes, speak English, or why are you here? Now, I'll be honest, Don, it's understandable, but it's not the greatest English. It's your language, Don. But the thing is, Don will get away with having a conversation absolutely anywhere, whether it be on a a bus, if he had an emergency at work, he could get by on on speaking English. You know, some people there, and speaking to Bart, you know, he he finds it frustrating. He's saying, look, if you're coming here to work, learn the language. He finds it incredibly frustrating. Some people that have been living in this country for five years, and they can't can't speak one good sentence of English. Somebody who's Polish, he's saying that simply isn't good enough. But then we do the same thing. You go to Spain where all the expats, they don't speak Spanish. They all hang out together. They all go to bars in the evening that show Tottenham games and uh, the X Factor. They all go for their greasy fry-ups at Irish pubs. We're just as bad when we go abroad. Absolutely. Again, just just to be kind of balanced on that, I know exactly what you're saying. I know people that have moved abroad uh, and they've lived in the English ghettos. But, But how long could can you sustain that for? The people that I know that, that have been to those countries have gone for a few years and then come back because you can't live in a small ghetto forever. Or, or maybe you can. 
Justin, thank you very much. I'm joined now by, by the way, if you want to have your say on this, 08459 four double five five double five. With us now is Conservative MP for South West Beds, Andrew Salou. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, nice to be with you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Andrew, you, you agree, don't you, with George Osborne, that if you're not prepared to learn English, your benefits should be cut? I do think that is the right decision, because as um, I think the lady from Luton Council was saying, um, if you are a claimant and you don't speak English... You're very, very limited in where you can find work. I think the lady was talking about casual, low-paid work. The last time I was on your show, um, the interviewer said, well, maybe you'd be all right working in an Indian restaurant because everyone else there spoke Hindi and you'd be able to cope. But that's no uh, life. That's really limiting the opportunities, isn't it, that, uh, that someone has. And secondly, I think it's really important for... Um, the rest of the English-speaking population, that there aren't workplaces where a foreign language is spoken. And very, very briefly, a few years ago, uh, one of my constituents in Leighton Buzzard, a lady, contacted me and said there was an advert for a minimum wage pick-a-packer in the paper in Leighton Buzzard, and you had to speak Polish to apply. And she rang me out really, really angry, and she said, how are we supposed to get jobs with those sort of requirements? And I raised it. I raised it in Parliament, actually. I contacted the company. You know, they withdrew the advert, very apologetic. And, you know, that lady was right. She had a point. Yes. You know, every workplace must be open to everyone in this country, whether you're native-born English speaker or not. And it's, you know, it, it's really, really bad for community relations and cohesion if we have a situation where there are workplaces where any foreign languages are, are spoken. So how would this work, Andrew? You, you're a foreign speaker, you don't speak English, you go and sign on, they say, uh-uh, no, you've got to go and learn English. Who would pay for those lessons? Well, I, I guess Job Centre Plus would pay, and I don't know whether there would be an element of payment by results, which we're using quite a lot in the benefit system at the moment. With all the welfare-to-work providers, you've got in-training and CTEC based in Luton, for instance. They're actually only paid when they get people into work through the reduction in in benefits and when they're actually keeping people in work. So it might be possible to use that model. But I did hear you say in your clip earlier on that Luton Council had spent £133,000 on translation. Mm. We're spending a lot of money on translation at the moment. Wouldn't it be better to spend that money on teaching people English in the first place so we didn't have to spend money on translation? Uh, it, it does make the country a, a wonderful place, though, that there are so many different languages. 120 different languages and dialects spoken in Luton. We wouldn't want to get rid of that, would we? Well, look, as the, gen- as the Polish gentleman said just now, what people speak at home, entirely their own business, that's people's private space, they can do whatever they want. When you go out and you go to work, um, you know, English is our common language, and that's what binds us together, that helps us communicate, that makes us one nation, one country, which is what we want to be, not uh, ghettoized, as you were, you were mentioning earlier on. So, I mean, you know, I think people may well speak their native languages at home, that's absolutely fine, I've got no problem with that at all. It's when people go out of their front door, they enter into society, you know, they go to shop, they go to work, they join in other community activities, then we have to have a common language, and that obviously needs to be English. We are, the English are the most arrogant, though, when it comes to speaking foreign languages abroad, because we all assume if we talk like this, then Johnny <laughs> Foreigner will understand us. And it is, when you go, when you go to, um, to Spain and Portugal and places with big British communities, they don't bother learning the language, do they? 
Well, I agree with you very, very much. And historically, we have been bad because so much of the rest of the world speaks English. You know, we haven't really bothered with languages. And I remember, uh, I think, the German ambassador a long time ago saying, you know, if you want to buy from us, you don't need to speak German. But if you want to sell to us, you know, well, speaking German would be a help. And uh, I think that's that's very, very true. And uh, we need to increase our exports as a country. And we are managing to do that a little bit at the moment. And, you know, speaking languages is, is absolutely part of that. Andrew Salute, thank you very much indeed, Conservative MP for South West Beds. What do you think? Should you have to learn English if you come to this country? Lots of you having your say on Facebook. Maggie says, yes, anyone wanting to settle here should speak English, at least enough to get by. Lessons should be taken until fluent. And I think that, it, it's how you define fluency, isn't it? I mean, you shouldn't necessarily need to be able to sit at home and read the works of Jane Austen, partly because they're so tedious. But you should be able to... Well, what would be an acceptable level? I don't know. Being able to get directions and order food, is that enough? Follow basic instructions at work? I don't know. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Trisha says, yes, it would be nice for everyone to speak English. Lots of our shop owners can't and wonder why their business is slow. If they can't understand what you are saying, they're stupid. Ha <laughs> ha Read that sentence again. If they can't understand what you are saying, they're stupid. I just raising up the point that if you're going to comment on people speak- speaking English... Just try and use good English. Adrian says, Ich bin ein Wurst. Thank you. Uh, Michael says, It would help if people who plan to stay here for over a month, say, learnt enough to be able to explain to doctors, etc., if they need treatment or help. And if they plan to work here and perhaps put their children into our education system, they should be made to learn the language. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Is it a bit racist to get them to, to, to insist that foreign people learn English? Or should it be a necessity? If you're coming to this country to live and work, you should learn English. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow at the moment on the M25, anti-clockwise from Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks, then as you go from the M1 to Kings Langley, and now from Maple Cross to the M40, looking very slow as well. The A10, heavy traffic this morning through Chesant, as you come from Winston Churchill Way, the A121 down toward the M25, and the A1 looking busy from Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner, down toward Mill Hill Circus. On the trains, 30-minute delays for London Midland and Virgin Services, Milton Keynes to London Euston. This is because of overrunning works between Bletchley and Berkhamstead a bit earlier this morning. They got those resolved reasonably quickly, but the delays are likely to remain until about 8.30. 20-minute delays for Greater Anglia, Bishop Stortford to Cambridge. This is a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett and will be affecting the Stansted Express. First Capital Connect trains are not currently stopping at Potter's Bar because of a security alert. The station has been evacuated and we're not sure when that will be reopened. And if you're going down toward London, the Piccadilly Line tube is suspended Rainers Lane to Uxbridge because of signal failure at Rhine slip. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. It's 7.16. It's, uh, where are we now? Wednesday the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council spent more than £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. A man is due to appear in court accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater Farm riots in North London nearly 28 years ago. In sport, Luton Town beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2 nil in last night's friendly at Kenilworth Road. Coming up, who's the boss in your house? 
Is it your kids or is it you? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Original British drama on BBC One. John Luther, you're under arrest. I haven't done any of the things they're saying I did. Time's running out. You have to get Mary out of there right now. Do it! You said that if I called the police... Not the police. I was the police, but I'm not anymore. Who the hell are you, then? Alice, what are you doing here? Seems to me your conscience has killed more people than I have. Luther, four hours back to back. If you missed it, the whole series is available now to watch on BBC iPlayer. I'm all right, thanks. But I have been enjoying The Walking Dead. Oh, zombies, Channel 5. Oh, series three is awesome. I cried, I cried last night at a zombie programme. Spoiler alert. She has the baby and she dies. Oh, God, it's heartbreaking. Her son has to kill her. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Heartbreaking stuff. I know. Oh, it was hot. I was in tears. I was in floods of tears. Then my wife came home and I had to, <laughs> I had to pretend everything was all right. We're asking this morning, should you have to learn English if you come to the United Kingdom? It's emerged that uh, Luton, between it's about eight month period, spent £133,000 um, on translation services. Well, what do you think? Is that money well spent? Uh, let's go to Sam in Hitchin. Morning, Sam. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much, Sam. Should good, you have good. to learn English if you come to this country? Yeah, just a quick word on Luther there, first. Luther, Luther yes. That is an absolute load of absolute unadulterated tripe, isn't it? Are you not a fan of Luther? <laughs> oh, good God, what rubbish. Why is it rubbish? Watch, I've watch, never watch, seen watch it. Paint, watch paint drying is much more fun. Anyway, to get back to that, yes, what they're doing, you see, they're, they're encouraging this system of you don't have to speak English here. We'll do everything for you. We'll, we'll translate for you. We'll do all the... Look at the millions they spend on paperwork putting in different languages, different dialects. That all should be stopped. How, how, many, form, how many millions do they spend? Well, I don't know off ah, the hand, but okay. I mean, they do spend millions okay. uh, on paperwork. I mean, and of course, administration, all that as well, and yes. everything else, all, everything connected with that. They should, they should, everything should be in English. You either like it or lump it. If you don't pay your electricity bill or your utility bills in general, you know, oh, I can't speak English, I don't have to pay, I'll get what it about, for me. What about in Wales, Sam, where they have uh, uh, both, the road signs are in both Welsh and English? That is two items you're talking about. That's fair enough, because that is relates to the country itself. Well, why, doesn't everybody speak, why, do, why doesn't everybody speak Welsh in Wales? Well, why? Because every, it's everybody's choice. We, we still have a little bit of choice it's Everybody's yet, choice. Yeah, but having had, this is a different thing. This cho- this is not a choice. This is a money thing. This is costing that we're we're paying council tax to provide services for for other people who can't speak a word of English. But the thing is, if if we didn't have uh, foreign workers over here doing very low paid, unskilled labour, this country would collapse. That's rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. Whoever told you that, you want, you want, to, you want to ignore them in the future. Most of, the, you know? most of the, the, the jobs that you and I would never want to do, all the horrible, dirty cleaning jobs, all the, uh, the horrible jobs working in, in picking fruit and stuff like that, the stuff that keeps this country afloat is done by foreign-speaking nationals. How was it done before they came here? Well, it was done by English people, but we stopped doing it. Correct. We raised, we raised our, no. our, we raised our eyes slightly, and we no. started refusing to accept for for such low wages. 
no, English and British people didn't stop doing it. What happened is these foreigners come in working for peanuts, so the English is no longer required. I mean, if you and I went for a job and some other nationality went, they'll cheaper, they'll get it. Whether they speak English or not, they'll get it because they'll be cheaper than you and I, and they're not complaining or anything. You know, they're not complaining. Not they're not doing anything about the rights. Oh no, I've got it. It's better than where they came from. They were earning peanuts. They learn more in a day here and somewhere in a month where they came from. So it's a great thing. Sam, last year, housing. last year I had um, some really expensive work done to a house I was living. I had a loft conversion and a new kitchen installed. We got yep. um, four quotes. Two were from uh, English companies, two were from Polish companies. The Polish company we went with were £15,000 cheaper than the cheapest English company. Now, only one person on that team spoke English, the rest spoke Polish. They did a cracking job. Why do they need to speak English? I'm not suggesting they did. I'm not, no, I'm not suggesting that group of people. Your maybe friend maybe needs to speak English. They, they were working in a group, and that's what so. Why should, they know, why should they know? Why should they need well, to speak English? This, this is England. I mean, most of these people are on benefits in this country. No, they, they, but these, these lads that, that I wouldn't get these lads. These lads that are employed. Well, that's not true. But these lads that I employed, they weren't on benefits. They were paying tax. It How was all know? legit. How do I know? How do you know they were? Yeah. Because the, I, I'm a, I'm taking them at their face value. They I, I would be very. <laughs> eh? You're assuming they were paying. Well, how do you, you know that know. any? Okay. Well, how do you know that well, any I'm builder? A, uh, Sam, Sam, how yeah. do you know that any builder or any workman isn't going a signing on every other Thursday? You don't know, do you? You have to have trust. No, we don't. No, you have to have but trust I mean, in these was, people. I was speaking to one Polish guy around into once. He was earning four hundred pound a week in wages into his hand, right? Yeah. The government or the local authority, whoever was paying his accommodation, they were buying his clothes. They were doing everything. As a matter of fact, I, I they got were that buying his a little clothes. bit wrong. They were providing vouchers or something. He was able to send four hundred pound a week back to Poland. Fantastic for his kids. Yeah, I, guess, well, I, I bet. Mean, yeah, but he wasn't earning it. I mean, it was provided by the for public. His, t- for his kids. Isn't well, that great that we? Isn't that great that we have a country that allows people to come over here and benefit the lives of their children? Isn't that fantastic? No, I don't think it's not that. Why, why are we keeping foreigners? I mean, why are we? I mean, there's more money going abroad than was spent in, in, in Great Britain here. Well, and what's, we're sending what, money to India, China, every place. We're sending billions. Well, we're not sending billions to India. No, well, I think it's India a fi- it's got a fi- 160 million last year. Didn't there something around that figure? I'll have a look. Foreign aid. And let me, let's have a look, because we can't start bandying figures around that no, we don't know what they are. So let's have a look. quite large, substantial sums. Um, oh, you know, you're right. It's, it could be, it could be a billion to India. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, why, why is not spending the British people here? British people are at the bottom of the list now in okay. this country. Sam, thank you very much. Let's go to Steve in Dunsmore. Morning, Steve. Hello. <laughs> you're right. Oh, well, I know what's coming. I'm, I'm, I know I'm what's coming. Bite, I'm not going to bite to your um, your danglers. <laughs> I don't want you to bite to my danglers. <laughs> Do you not want to tug my danglers? <laughs> no, it's all right. Steve, should foreign people have to learn English if they come here? Yes, they should do. Why? They should do. Communication generally as well. And then the day, if they come here, they shouldn't be allowed on benefits for five years at least. But anyway, yeah, they should speak English. The other thing is, <coughs> it's all right us moaning like I do and everybody else. If we don't like it, we need to change the government. That's, that's the bottom line. Labour are no good, Conservatives are no good, Liberals are no good. So if you want to change it, you've got to pick a far-right group. Like who? are going to do something about it. Well, the BMP. Well, the, right, well, the BMP are never going to get into power, are no, they? No, no, well, they're not. But, that's, we, listen, I know that, 
but the thing is, we're a thorn in the side. So if we can change the way things are moving, the Conservatives are, are going that way again. As well, with the UKIP as well. But but why, I, Steve? Again, I, I put it to you. Why should I, so I had these lads? They, they were Polish. Only one of them spoke uh, English, and he spoke four languages. This guy he taught himself. He was brilliant. The rest, <laughs> of, the rest of the lads didn't speak English, but they didn't need to. They did a cracking job. They all paid tax. Why? Why should they? Yeah, but they, yeah, but they isolate themselves in the groups, which is up to them. But then the day, if I want to go and speak to them, and they say yes to something, and then they misunderstand what I'm saying, it causes a lot of confusion. Why would you? Why? Why would you? You, Steve, personally, want to go and speak to a group of Polish lads? No, I, apart I from to tell really, them to move no. on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'd rather. I'd rather say something else. That I wouldn't say on this show. But 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 they were wonderful. I was chatting to this guy, yeah, and I was chatting to the other people, and learning yeah. lots about. Uh, about Poland. <laughs> yeah, well, that's nice. But then the days, they're taking the money out of the country that should be staying here. That's another thing. Financially, they're sending money home, which is fair for them, right, great, but it's not good for our economy. That money should be left in the community that they're working, and it can be used. But they were like, spending money in this country. They were buying well, all yeah, the buying all the tools money. and equipment the in this day, country, paying rent. They right. should speak English, and everything is, we've got a million people, youngsters, unemployed. Yep. Surely we should look after our own. Why do we want... Big business are exploiting foreigners. They're the racists. Big big companies are milking and exploiting the foreigners for cheap labour, so they, the government but, can get big taxes. But they, so, they, they pay yeah. them. They pay them minimum wage. Yeah. And British people, for the most part, aren't prepared to work for minimum wage. Aren't no, prepared to do these dirty, oh, dirty jobs like jobs in care homes and jobs in hospitals for minimum wage because yeah, the British people yeah, have got arrogance. Listen, listen, no, this people were doing that before we had an influx. Before we had immigration, before I was born, nobody minds having a few immigrants come to the country. It's the amount. It's the amount that's just come in. Bang. We've had two world wars to stop Germany coming in, and all of a sudden we've just been overtaken by Tom, Dick, and Harry of the world. What I'm saying to you is, we've got a million people of our own on the dole, so surely we should look after them, put them into jobs first, and then if there's other jobs that we can't do or supply, then obviously you have a few immigration. But English English people don't want to work in care homes for minimum wage, wiping old people's backsides, but but Polish and Japanese people do. Listen, listen, before the influx of immigration that we've had in the last, what, eight to ten years, right, people have got debts. We buy houses, we get HP on cars, we get this. There's a certain amount that we've got. And obviously, our wages have gone down by a third or half. So we're not going to want to do minimum wage because at the end of the day, we're losing We've got arrogant. British people have got arrogant. They've got arrogant and lazy. We like a higher standard of living. But we can't have that, Steve. If we we, we don't want the immigrants, then we have to take those dirty, horrible jobs. And we're not prepared to do it. We were doing them jobs before, in the last eight years, eight years ago, Ten years ago, we were doing it before we had maps. But then, why are people not prepared to do it now? Why are English no, people not prepared to do it now? Well, minimum wage should be scrapped because it's a load of baloney. At the end of the day, in the old good old days, you go to a job. If you didn't like it, you moved on to another job. But that's, that, that's 30, 40 years ago, Steve. No, that world matter. doesn't minimum exist. Minimum wage is rubbish. It should be scrapped. So we should, have, we should have a system where people can be paid even less than the minimum wage. No, if you don't like the job, you walk away. So you force the bosses to pay. Steve, they will always... Then, then the immigrants will just be earning less. Because well, they would be the only people that would do those jobs. That, that's not my problem. But it doesn't solve the issue that you've raised. Of course it does. It, it just means the minimum want... wage will be even lower. No, the minimum wage, listen, we lived before the minimum wage. We never had the minimum wage. When did the minimum wage come in? 
five, six years ago. I don't but know. Steve, you're arguing, you're, you're arguing against yourself, no, mate. I'm not. Because if I, you I reduce the minimum wage, if you reduce the minimum wage, then those jo- let's let's use care homes as an example. The bosses of care homes will be legally allowed to pay less than they're paying now, and British people would want to do those jobs even less. Yeah, but with the minimum wage, you can employ a sixty-year-old bloke on the minimum wage. How do you think, or even a fifty-year-old or a forty-year-old? Minimum wage is all right for a sixteen to. Oh no, eighteen. But how, how are they going to? The only way they're going to get but out of it is obviously getting Steve, themselves to college and qualify. Steve, if you get rid of the minimum wage, you don't understand you. It. That lowers what the minimum wage can be. So whatever the minimum wage is now, I don't know. Let's say it's three, three pounds fifty. You get rid of that legal requirement, you can end up doing the same job for two pounds twenty. Well, it's your it's to protect the workers. You're a mug, then, aren't you? You walk away and you force the employers to put the wages up. That's how it used to be. Steve, thank you very much. Always a fiery chat with Stephen Dunstable. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ophelia, we'll speak to you a little bit later. I do apologise. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy coming down towards the M25 through Chesant at the moment. The A10 looking slow around the junction with Winston Churchill Way. The A121 speed sensors not showing many other major problems this morning. Patch of slow moving traffic on the A1 up at the Black Cat roundabout though. That's looking slow from Eaton Soken. And the A5 starting to get a little bit busy past Mark Yaton down towards the M1 at Junction 9. M25 anti clockwise slow into the roadwork section, tailing back as far as the M11 now. It's slow as well from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple cross through to the M40 and the A1 in Boreham Wood slow Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Lots of train problems. Virgin and London Midland have half hour delays. Milton Keynes to London Euston. This is because of overrunning engineering works between Bletchley and Berkhamsted. They've managed to d- finish off and resolve those works but the delays are likely for another hour or so. Greater Anglia, 20 minute delays. Bishop Stortford to Cambridge signalling problems at Stansted Mount Fitchett affecting the Stansted Express to and from London as well. And First Capital Connect trains are not stopping at Potter's Bar because of a security Security alert. The station there has been evacuated. Piccadilly line tube suspended Rainers Lane to Uxbridge. Signal failure at Ryslip is the culprit. And Metropolitan line tube has minor delays. Harrow on the hill through to Uxbridge because of that signal failure. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 7.31, news and sport. Now here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council has spent over £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. That's almost twice the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council in the same period. A group of MPs is warning that NHS accident and emergency departments could reach crisis point this winter. And a man will appear in court this morning accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater farm rights in North London nearly 28 years ago. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In last night's friendlies, Luton Town beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. It was a great result for the Hatters scorers John Shaw and Jake Howells. Not so good for Christian Benteke, who is playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa after all. Meanwhile, Stevenage lost 3-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The pre-season friendlies continue tonight with matches for Watford, MK Dons and Wickham. Gianfranco Zola is taking Watford to Peterborough and says he's hoping his new signings will gain more valuable experience of life in England. I want them to, to get accustomed to what it's like over here and uh, and I want them to start uh, th- uh, working out uh, solutions. Meanwhile, Milton Keynes Dons host Spanish side Rayo Vallecano with a 7.30pm kick-off at Stadium MK and Wickham make the short trip to Burnham. Again, that kick-off is at 730 
At the IPC World Championships, Johnny Peacock just edged out Richard Brown in the T44 100-metre final to add the world title to his gold from London 2012. He claimed victory by two one-hundredths of a second and says his rivalry with the American Brown is good for Paralympic sprinting. It's fantastic for the sport. I'm happy that there's someone there now that can, can push the times on and we can keep running together. It's great because it means that, you know, uh, when I make mistakes or you know it's going to be very close obviously going to race him again Sunday so he's going to have a bug on his back about that <laughs> and uh, Anna Oliveira is going to be there as well so it's going to be an interesting time and Jessica Ennis-Hill made her return from injury at a low profile meeting in Loughborough last night she threw a personal best in the javelin and won the long jump but she still says she's unsure about her prospects for next month's world championships why and that's your latest news and sport she's back from injury remember that Achilles tendon BBC Three Counties News and Sport I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, lots of texts and lots of phone calls about should people have to learn English if they're coming to stay in the UK. And I do want to know, when was the last time you used your library? Lots of people celebrating this morning. Steve, they're celebrating the magic of the English language. When was the last time you used a library? Went and read some, you know, wonderful English literature. When was the last time you used one? 08459 455 555. Now, do elderly people living in rural communities in the three counties get a fair deal? It's an issue that's troubling MPs on the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee. They're looking at whether funding is directed towards urban areas at the expense of services for villages and countryside locations. Well, the committee's chair is the Conservative MP, Anne McIntosh, who joins me now. Uh, and isn't it right that more money should be spent on areas where more people live? We want a, a fair deal, and what we have established in this report is that the cost of delivering public services in rural areas is higher than urban areas, so we need the flexibility for that to be reflected. It, it cannot be right that in the last financial year, 2012-13, that rural local authorities received under half per head funding of that received by urban areas in, in, in education. That, that's simply wrong. How does this this underspending uh, affect rural communities? Well, particularly in the access to broadband, uh, obviously it can make a big difference to meeting the government's stated priority, which I personally support, of uh, allowing the rural economy to grow, and rural businesses are obviously key to that effect. Yet the 10% hardest to reach and the 10% slowest broadband with the poorest connections are in rural areas so we're arguing rather than speed up those areas which have a good connection to broadband let's actually focus on the 10 percent that don't have any prospect anytime soon of the minimum two mega speed byte access is broadband a necessity i would have considered it more of a luxury I think people take it as a fact of everyday life now, and certainly if you look at the farming community, they are required by DEFRA to fill the paperwork, uh, all the farm forms online. Can you imagine the frustration, even when you're doing it from your own home, your own farm, when halfway through the dial-up or halfway through the transaction, you lose everything because you lose the connection? It's not fair. What other changes would you like to see done? Allowing uh, rural schools, where we know that small rural schools have higher running costs, allow them the flexibility that they've traditionally had uh, from local authorities, giving them slightly more money, recognising the, the 
the cost of delivering the services there. Access to housing, there's been an emphasis on social housing on family homes, whereas actually we need to see more starter units of one to two bedroomed social housing in rural areas and allowing access to finance. When um, LEPs, for example, were set up, we need to make sure that when the business bank comes in and when the single local growth fund uh, is made available to rural businesses, allowing them to compete. But I just applaud what rural communities are doing. In my own area, one of the most successful projects is the community post office with Village Shop owned by and run by the village. Isn't uh, I would imagine that the majority of people living in uh, rural areas are perhaps older. They, surely they want, they want post offices, they want bus stops, they want uh, reliable uh, bus services like that. They don't want broadband, though, do they? I think older people um, often have the time to really get into broadband and they can access there's now not even a mobile library service going around many of these villages so if they can actually but i would exactly i would agree focus more on that don't worry about the broadband and focus on the the mobile library services and the transport links but it's in the round we are paying more in to uh, rural areas are paying more into their council tax bills, older, younger people, everybody, and yet they receive less government grant back and they have access to fewer public services, libraries and others, than their urban counterparts. So we're saying that this rural penalty has got to stop and there's got to be fair access to funding, fair access to, ser- fair access to services, whether you live in a rural or an urban area. Anne McIntosh, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Anne McIntosh, uh, MP. What do you think? You can have your say on that. I do agree. Of course, if, if, if they're, the, the spending per head, if it's less in rural areas, then that isn't fair, is it? I, am I wrong? In th- the, the, the broadband was a googly that was bold at me then. That's a cricket reference. I didn't know I knew. Broadband, can I just ask a question to you? This is a, this is a question, uh, and you can text in with your answer, or you can give me a call. Broadband's a luxury, isn't it? It's not a, a birthright of everybody. Surely it's a luxury. I consider it to be a luxury that I've got broadband in my house. Am I naive? Am I being really old-fashioned? 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a call. 08459 455 555. Indulge me slightly on this tangent. Is broadband a luxury or a necessity? Uh, Ophelia's called in about um, speaking... In, Ophelia, before we get to what you've called in about... Is broadband a luxury or a necessity? It is becoming a necessity. For Re- me, it is. For me to do my job, yes. I need to have access to broadband or in- the internet at least on 24 hours a day. But, but it, does it... It's, 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 it's important. It's important, of course it is. It's a time saver. Yeah, it's a, well, that's it. It's a time saver, but that doesn't mean it's, it's a, a God-given right that we should have it. No, but if it's a time saver, that means that it's also a money saver, especially in rural areas as well. OK, well, look, I'm going to throw that out there. 08459 555. That's not what you've called in about, Ophelia, no, is it? I haven't. I've called in about the amount of money that was spent on interpretation. Uh, £133,000, Luton Borough Council, in about eight months. Yes, yeah. and, and that's quite small in comparison to other... Um, local authorities, if you think of London, places like that. And I just thought I'd just give another side to it as a person... 
Uh, it's twice, it's double the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council. Yeah, that's a very big area. Yeah. Uh, that's a very big okay. um, geographical area. But I just wanted to say, um, it's a service that I use quite regularly within the local authority that I work. Oh. And um, what I wanted to say is that although it, sometimes it's a legal requirement, it is, it's about making sure that you've communicated properly to somebody, especially on matters of a legal matter, and it could also prevent someone from... Um, suing the local authority or suing whoever... If they spoke English to a certain level, then they wouldn't need the foreign language, and we could save that money. No, let me just go on to that. Now, speaking um, a foreign language is quite different from being able to read it, and that is where the difference comes in. A lot of the um, people that I have to work with, they can talk to me in English quite fluently, quite they can really understand me. But when it comes to reading English, it's they don't fully understand it. And to make sure that they're fully aware of the implications of what you're communicating... But if they've come to a country uh, that where the language is English, yeah. the onus should be on them to make sure they understand it. If they don't understand it well enough, then they should take it to someone who can translate it for them or, or take it to a solicitor or something to go through it with them. Why should the onus be on the state to spend money translating things for them because it all depends on why the state was involved it won't be for the solicitor to do that it's about responsibility yeah and it should be the individual's responsibility to make sure any forms they are signing or completing they understand that's their responsibility isn't it let me put it back into an english term for you please do let's say for example you sent your son to school you got a letter from school um saying that these things are going to happen and you didn't understand what it meant, you'd have gone back to the school and asked for an explanation. Is the letter written in English? Yeah. Well, f- Letter to you written in English. Well, first of all, I, would have, I, I, I find it hard to believe that I wouldn't have understood it. Then I would have tried to look up the words I didn't understand online. And yet, yeah, as a last resort, yes, I would have gone back to the school and said, I'm really sorry, I don't understand this. Could you clarify? OK. Well, some lo- some, for example, some local authorities would not have intervened, and certain legislation... Some local authorities would have intervened with that family once, and certain policies and procedures in terms of equal opportunities... What? uh, You're losing me, Ophelia, ever so slightly. Let me just say, the nature of some local, local authorities' interventions with a family can only be once sometimes. And we're talking about various departments, housing, um documents and things like that that come in that a family needs to be clear that if they don't understand what's being said the next step for some situations is call Ophelia, okay, thank you very much indeed I think we, we, we made a bit of a quantum leap I'm only ending it there because I want to speak to Pete in Bedford Morning Pete Morning there Ian well, Should everyone who comes to England have to speak English? Absolutely, um, slight to clarify I, um, uh, my wife just uh, recently arrived from Malaysia and uh, one of the um, um, things she had to do was an English test uh, before she was able to get her visa. Oh, and um, yes, and and and, I, and to be honest, I was adamant that she brushed up on her English. Her English was fantastic, and um, yeah, the, 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 there's a couple of things I'd like to mention. Is firstly, I think in English should be compulsory because uh, we were spending far too much money on. Um, uh, all this translation business. The second thing I like to say is I personally think that even though my missus is over, that that person or the person who's sponsoring the other person or spouse or whichever way mm. should be work, should have worked in the country five years before they get the free medical care, any benefits, 
And until that person doesn't contribute, I think the person uh, responsible for sponsoring the um, the spouse or the uh, the individual should be funding that person um, until they start work or start contributing for a minimum of five years. If we didn't I- have, uh, Pete, sorry, if we didn't have uh, farm workers over here doing the low-paid, filthy, dirty jobs that the, the English people don't want to do, this country would collapse. All the people um, doing the the horrible, dirty jobs in hotels, in care homes, in hospitals. Do they really need to speak English? Um, well, I think they need a certain standard of English. Why? Well, simply because, because I mean, it, it, at the moment, if, if, they, if they, well... They don't, uh, do they? There's not, there's not a good argument for why those people doing those horrible, dirty jobs should have to speak English. I think mean, there's an element of that they need to speak, a, a, you know, a, 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 a basic amount of English. Why? What's the argument? Well, the argument would be that because I mean, when, every, when they use the services, when when they're going to go to the council, when they're going to go anywhere, I mean, if, without basic English, we're having to the the, the country's having to uh, bring translators in, which is an extra cost. And when when, we, when we've got people like Luton Council that are now even saying that they're going to be cutting hundred like, thirty-three uh, grand, it's it's not that much, is it? Really, in the great scheme of things. Well, it, it, it's not, but at the, mo- at the moment, we, we all know that we are in a, in a recession and we're trying to dig ourselves out. But with, with, the, with certain basic necessities, I mean, if we, if we go to a different country, we're, we're expected to know, we're, we're at least expected to know uh, uh, some, ba- you know, basic, in- uh, basic language. Pete, uh, Pete, I have to end it there because we're out of time. I hope you feel you got your point across. Uh, but we don't have to learn. We're, we're filthy when we go to foreign countries. We don't learn English languages. We just talk like this, thinking that will suddenly, by osmosis, Johnny Foreigner will be able to understand what we're saying. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. After nine after nine o'clock, Tim, who's sitting in for JVS, will be asking: Does it really matter if you can't speak good English in this country? <laughs> Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking slow as you make your way around the M25. Anti-clockwise, there's heavy traffic from back at the M11 in Essex through toward Enfield and the roadworks. It's then stop-start from the M1 right the way through to the M40, junction 21 to 16. A1, Roxton, Black Cat roundabout. Delays starting to build up on the speed sensors. A queue looking like it's going back toward Eaton Soken. As you make your way down the A1M, at the moment it's moving reasonably well. No delays past Hatfield. Then into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood. There's slow-moving traffic, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10 in Chesant looking slow at the Winston Churchill Way and delays on the other side of the M25 as you continue on the A10 through Enfield, Bullsmore Lane towards Southbury Road. First Capital Connect, trains are stopping as usual once again at Potter's Bar following the security alert earlier. Virgin and London Midland have half-hour delays from Milton Keynes Central down to Euston and that's because of overrunning works Bletchley to Berkhamstead, which, although they've managed to resolve the overrunning works, they've still got the delays. Greater Anglia, 20-minute delays Bishop Stortford to Cambridge, a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett, Stansted Express affected by that as well, and then on the tubes Piccadilly Line, severe delays because of signal failure at Ryslip, Rainers Lane through to Uxbridge, and minor delays for the Metropolitan Line on the same stretch. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 
Right, 7.48. It's uh, Wednesday, the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're getting reports that Potter's Bar Station has been evacuated due to a security alert. We'll bring you more on that as soon as we get it. It's emerged that Luton Borough Council has spent over £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months, almost twice the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council for the same period. In sport, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road last night. Coming up, should everyone in the UK speak English? And what about the other way around when we go abroad? I'll speak to Jackie Rowe. She's British and she works in the Canaries. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's a bit of a less humid feel to the day, but we're hanging on to the warms. We've got some cloud, but some sunshine breaking through that cloud uh, for most really eastern parts at the moment. Some hazy sunshine, but the cloud will come and go. There's a very slim outside chance you may get a spot of rain later on today as well, but to be honest, it's fairly unlikely we will see that. Like I said, though, still staying warm. Maximum temperature up to perhaps 27 Celsius later. That's 81 degrees in Fahrenheit. Really nice end to the day, some evening sunshine dry at first but then the cloud starts to develop and with it one or two spots of rain rolling through towards dawn tomorrow morning. Still a warm night outside of built up areas, 15 Celsius in towns and cities, more like 16 or 17. Starting off cloudy for Thursday with a bit of rain around that's uh, the remnants of the rain from tonight that will move away north uh, eastwards through the course of the morning making it drier and brighter for the afternoon. Thank you very much. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or an organisation stood up and said that it's not the coffee. Well, yeah, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Gris show goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. If anybody's at Potter's Bar Station and can give us a little call to let us know what uh, you've seen or what you think may be going on, 08459 455 555. We'll let you know more as soon as we have it now. Should everyone in the UK have to speak English? It's been revealed that between April and December of last year, Luton Borough Council spent almost £133,000 on translation services. That's almost double the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council over the same period. Well, the first part of a Channel 4 programme was screened last night, which looked at how hard it is for immigrants to learn the English language. The programme was screened after the Treasury insisted that foreign benefit claimants attend language courses or lose some of their benefits. Well, there are plenty of people who don't speak English either at all, or very well, but uh, who are living in the UK. But does it matter? 08459 455 555. And how does it work the other way around when British people go and live overseas? Well, Jackie Rowe is British and has worked in the Canaries for 17 years for a holiday company. Morning, Jackie. Morning. Jackie, do you speak any Spanish? Yes, I do now. Well, hang and on. I stress the word now. Well, so how long? You've been 17 years, you've been working in the Canaries. Yes. Uh, uh, did you go over there with any Spanish under your belt? No, none at all. And I didn't believe at the age that I came overseas that I would need it because I was under the illusion that it doesn't matter because wherever I go in the world, everyone speaks English anyway. A little bit ignorant, really. We do have that. I, I remember having that as, as a <laughs> younger younger man. You do think if you talk like that and do yeah. the hand gestures, then Johnny Foreigner mm-hmm. will get along with it. 
Exactly. So, 17 years you've been working abroad. At what point did you think, well, maybe I should learn a little bit of Spanish? If I'm honest, probably about... Mm, about two or three years oh, in, the Jackie. penny actually dropped. I know, Jackie, I know, Rowe, I know. naughty, <laughs> naughty. I know, the penny actually dropped that this was something that I wanted to do long term. Yeah. And that if, if it was going to be something that I wanted to do long term and I wanted to fit in and I wanted to take advantage of, you know, living overseas and embracing the culture and life yep. over there, then I really did need to learn the language. So how much Spanish can you speak now? I would not say that I'm fluent by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> not at all. How? Not at all. Can you can you order like drinks and stuff? <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, well, no. No. Come on. Steady. Give me a little bit more credit than that after 17 years. Well, I know no, you've only been learning it for two years. Okay, okay, okay. You know, British me- mentality to begin with. Yeah. Um, I, in with regards to my job, then I can definitely converse and get by on a day-to-day basis. Okay. And, um, yeah, and sometimes I have to use the odd little bit of Spanglish. Oh, yes. That always goes down well, yeah. bit of Spanglish. Do you um, know, the thing I've noticed when I'm abroad, and, and I don't really speak foreign languages, a tiny bit of Japanese, although I've forgotten most of it, <laughs> but they appreciate, that the, the, it seems to be appreciated in foreign countries that you make the effort. No, of course, 100%. If you, even if, you know, you greet them, good morning or good day or goodbye or thank you, then that goes such a long way and you you do get a better response. Um, the unfortunate thing is a lot of people do just wade in and expect them to speak British and the response, you know, isn't always what, what, what people would expect. Mm. Do you find uh, you you get um, you're getting more out of uh, being there by speaking Spanish? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. It obviously makes life a lot easier for me. Um, and with my partner not being Spanish, um, and he speaks fluent Spanish because mm. he's had to. Yeah. Um, it, it just makes life a lot easier for both of us, to be perfectly honest with you, because I can help him. He, well, he helps me a lot more, to be quite honest. But, yeah, no, it just makes life a lot easier. Jackie, really, thanks for really coming does. on this one. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, not a problem. Take care. Cheers, that's Jackie Rowe, uh, British, worked in the Canaries for 17 years. Last couple of years, she started learning Spanish. She was fun, wasn't she? 08459 555 now, when was the last time you used your local library? There are fears that Luton's mobile library service is facing the axe. Council officers have recommended it should go as it tries to save £600,000. Two libraries at Wigmore and Sundon Park have also been earmarked for closure. The central library and the one in Burry Park will stay the same. Others will either uh, have their hours cut or staffing changed. Well, earlier on in the show, I spoke to Barbara, who uses the mobile library when it visits Leegrave. She says if it goes, it will be a tremendous loss. I read three to four books a week. As I say, they find me big print because I've got a job in my eyes. Um, they're very helpful with other things. They help you fill forms in. They'll find out information for you. Being an OAP, I just can't afford to buy books. You know, if they keep taking things away from people of Luton, we'll have nothing in the end. Well, Jenny Davis is Liberal Democrat councillor for Stopsley. This isn't the first time library closures have been proposed in Luton, is it? Uh, No, it certainly isn't. I I almost feel my permanent job as a councillor has been to save Stopsley Library from closure. It's been done, it's been attempted several times, and I'm glad that Stopsley is at least to stay open this time. Well, it has been earmarked for closure in the past. This time it's Wigmore and Sundon Park that looks set Mm. to close. Do you think the council have given up trying to close Stopsley, and if so, why? 
Well, I certainly hope so. It's, it's very much needed. It's an area with more than the average number of older people. The library, it's, it's pretty basic. It's in a, a temporary building, but it works extremely well. And uh, lots of people in Stopsley can actually walk to it, which is one of the best things about it. Um, it's, it's very well used, and people would certainly miss it, and it would be very difficult for them to get to any other library. Our, our bus services are not wonderful. It's the, the, the argument you're using for Stopsley could also be applied, I guess, to, to Wigmore, Sundon Park, and the, uh, the mobile library as well. Certainly it could be applied to Wigmore, and, and I believe to Sundon Park, though I, obviously I don't know that as no. well. Wigmore is going to be um, difficult for people. Uh, it's a purpose-built library. It's one of the busiest in the town, and it does seem rather perverse to close a library that is extremely busy and very well used. And all they seem to be replacing it with is some kind of computer terminal. And, of course, if you're not very computer savvy, the idea of having to access books through a computer terminal, I think is going to exclude a lot of people from the use of, of the uh, library resource because they just will not be able to do it. I love libraries, Jackie. I think they are cathedrals of knowledge and we should all embrace them. But whenever I go to the library, they're always quite empty. People don't use them. Oh, I think they do. Uh, people go in at different times, use them in different ways. They're a lot more than they used to be. But for me, the great thing about a library is, as, as a, something of a bookworm myself, uh, is that you've got lots of actual books there and people can pull them out and read them and sometimes they get a bit dog-eared, but that simply means they're popular. Wouldn't it be cheaper just to buy everybody in the area a Kindle? Might be in the long run, but you can't curl up with a Kindle in the way you can curl up with a book. I think a, an actual book is uh, something to be treasured, and, and I have lots and lots and lots of them uh, because I've bought them over the years and I find them very hard to part with. Uh, and I think that libraries are a repository not just of physical books but of human knowledge going back centuries and also of, of human ability to to write a cracking good story and that is something that is extremely valuable jenny we have to end it there i'm running out of time thank you very much jenny davis the lib dem councillor for stopsy well when was the last time you used your library travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio the A1 looking slow on the sensors as you come to the Black Cat roundabout from Eaton Soken. As you continue down through Biggleswade, Sandy and down toward the A1M, everything's moving reasonably well. Then it slows again into London through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10 looking particularly slow in Chesant on the sensors around Winston Churchill Way. Then in Enfield, it's slow from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road and delays on the M25 anti-clockwise from the M11 through to the A10 going into the roadworks. And then as you continue from the M1 to the M40 Junction 21, to 16. M40 is mainly busy as you come from the A40 up to the M25. It's not looking too bad past High Wycombe and onwards up toward Oxford. London Midland on the trains. Half hour delays Milton Keynes to Watford Junction. Virgin affected as well. They had overrunning engineering works earlier this morning. 20 minute delays Greater Anglia. Bishop Stortford to Cambridge. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. I cannot tell you how chuffed I am. I came up with the phrase cathedrals of knowledge. That was my idea. Don't raise your eyes at me. Producer Tara, I saw that. Cheeky monkey. Here's Catherine.
on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, the headline, security alert at Potter's Bar, Luton's translation spend in the spotlight and Hatter's Beat Premiership Villa. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's understood trains are operating once again at Potter's Bar following a security alert earlier this morning. Passengers were evacuated from the station while staff dealt with the incident, the circumstances of which are unclear at the moment. We'll bring you more as soon as we can. The MP for South West Bedfordshire is criticising Luton Borough Council for spending over £130,000 on translation services over the last eight months. The figure is almost twice the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council in the same period. The Conservative MP Andrew Salou says that money would be better spent on language lessons. I guess Job Centre Plus would pay and I don't know whether there would be an element of payment by results which we're using quite a lot in the benefit system at the moment with all the welfare to work providers you've got in training and CTEC based in Luton for instance. They're actually only paid when they get people into work through the reduction in in benefits and when they're actually keeping people in work, so it might be possible to use that model. A man will appear in court this morning accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater farm riots in North London nearly 28 years ago. The Crown Prosecution Service announced yesterday that it had sufficient evidence to charge Nicholas Jacobs, who's now 44. A committee of MPs has questioned whether NHS hospital emergency departments in England are sufficiently prepared for next winter, with a warning that demand could become unsustainable if action isn't taken quickly. The government says waiting times for patients have improved, but the chairman of the Health Select Committee, Stephen Durrell, said the health service was under sustained stress and a new approach to the problem was needed. NHS England ought to ensure that there is in place by the end of September this year a plan in every locality to ensure that the demands that we can predict will be placed on the system this winter are going to be met. A Bedfordshire campaigner is echoing MPs' concerns that there is a rural penalty for living in the countryside. A parliamentary report suggests rural communities pay higher house prices and council tax bills but receive less government funding than urban areas. Alan Appling from the Campaign to Protect Rural England says schools, shops and services are key to the survival of rural locations. A Hertfordshire couple are back home with their new baby who was born at a bus stop in Hartford. Nicole and Mark McClurg were on their way to the Lister Hospital in Stevenage when their daughter decided to make an Appearance. As Nicole's contractions intensified, Mark was forced to pull over and deliver Dana Marie himself at the Hartford Berry Road bus stop. Uh, sport now. In last night's friendlies, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Not a great result for Christian Benteke, who was playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa. But those Hatters goals came from John Shaw and Jake Howells. And Stevenage lost 3-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The weather a drier day with sunny spells and the possibility of isolated showers, along with a top temperature of 27 degrees Celsius. That's 81 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Excuse me, a cup of tea has arrived. Has arrived. It's, uh, yeah. Morning, this is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've noticed on one of the Facebook pages there's a campaign to get rid of me. How rude. How rude. Click like if you think Ian Lee should go. 28, 20, I, I can live with that. If it reaches 50, I'll start panicking and start um, composing my letter. 
<laughs> Producer Tara and Kelly Betts said they're going to go and click on it now. Aren't cheeky? How rude. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show, including... Should everyone in the UK have to speak English? Well, it's been revealed that uh, between April and December of last year, Luton Borough Council spent almost £133,000 on translation services. That's almost double the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council. Well, should everyone in the UK have to speak English? As a local authority plans to close some of its libraries and mobile library service, I'll be looking at the impact that could have on local people. We'll have the latest on the Potter's Bar situation. If you've been there, do give us a call. And just on a completely side note, after a conversation I had with an MP about rural areas, broadband, is it a luxury or a God-given right? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455. Five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, earlier on in this programme, uh, the MP for South West Bedfordshire criticised Luton Borough Council for spending more than £130,000 on translation services over a period of eight months. The figure is almost twice the amount spent by Hertfordshire County Council in the same period. Conservative MP Andrew Salou says that money would be better spent on language lessons. Well, last night a Channel 4 programme was screened which looked at how hard it is for immigrants to learn the English language. The programme was filmed after the Treasury insisted that foreign benefit claimants attend language courses or lose some of those benefits. Well, there are plenty of people who don't speak English uh, living in the UK. Does it matter? Keep saying it, the lads that came and did uh, some building work for me. Only one of them spoke English, the rest didn't. They did a cracking job, they paid tax. And they didn't seem to... There was no problem with them not speaking English. Well, 08459 455 555, Justin Dealey has uh, been out. And you found several people, Justin, who don't speak English. Absolutely. I was out in Lucen for 30 minutes, and in that period of time, I found 16 people who couldn't speak English. Here's me trying to have a conversation with those people. Mine, Maria. Do you speak good English? No, I speak Spanish. How long have you lived in the UK for? Oh, I don't know English, not speaking English, no. You're not even trying to, to, to learn English at all? Oh, no, no. No comprendo, no English. No English, no, sorry. So, do you speak English? Why? How long have you lived here for? To live. I don't know. How long have you lived here in Lucent ah, for? here is one year, two months. Since you've been here, have you, have you made a, a conscious effort to, to try and learn our language? Our language. Have you tried to learn English? English. Uh, are you taking lessons on how to learn English? Uh, English here. Let's speak English. I mean, with the greatest amount of respect, your English is not very good. Are you, are you trying to learn our language? Uh, are you taking lessons on how to learn English? I don't know. No, 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 understand. No, understand. No, understand. Can you speak English? No, speak English. Polish speak. Can I ask you what your name is, madam? No, 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 no. No, no. Is it because you don't speak English? Speak English, no. Madam, what's your name? Monica. And how long have you lived in Lucen for? Uh, no, understand. How long has your friend lived in Lucen for? 
Jak długo mieszkasz tutaj? Trzy lata. Jak jest? Three years. Three years, okay. Madam, can I ask you a quick question about Luton? Sorry. You don't speak English. Yes, I don't speak English. Sorry. Well, that was Justin Dealey um, speaking to people. I think it took him half an hour to get that. Well, we can speak now to Lisa Williams, who moved to Spain in 2005 from the UK and made the effort to learn the language so she could integrate her family into the culture. Morning, Lisa. Good morning. Did you learn... Hey, there we go. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) a good... Did you learn Spanish before you went or while you were out there? I took some evening courses at a local college before I went. Very basic. Um, I could order a coffee. I could count to a hundred. Mm. Um, I thought I was better prepared, Ian, than I really was. Oh, I see. So when you got there, you, you struggled a bit. Why, why did you struggle? I struggled. I struggled a lot because, of course, ordering a coffee and directions to the beach were fine for tourists for a week. But um, obviously, my intention was to to live here long term, and it just didn't. You know, I realised I was completely ill prepared. So what did you do? Did you just throw yourself into the community and try and pick it up? Did you go to lessons in Spain? How did you do it? In the beginning, I didn't do so much, to be honest. I think I was a bit in shock, and obviously I was getting used to, to life over here. It was really after about six months that I really had to tackle the situation because um, I, c- I couldn't continue not speaking Spanish. How... How much of a difference has it made being able to speak the language? Oh, a huge difference. Absolutely a huge difference. I mean, in terms of day-to-day life, just going to the supermarket, dealing with utilities companies, dealing with bureaucracy, um, I've, just ha- I've, had to, I've had to learn it. And are you, are you fluent, is- Lisa? Can you, I mean, can you, you pretty much get by? You can watch the, the Spanish news, for example, and know what's going on. Pretty much. I can watch the Spanish news and I can have a good argument and I can defend myself. That's always important, um, yes. Still, after seven years, I have sometimes difficulty with, with films. And to be honest, I still, if I want to relax, I still watch a film in English. But on the street, I can definitely get by and hold my own now. So sure. from, from your experience, life uh, must be quite difficult for immigrants in England who can't speak English. Well, I can only imagine so. I just I can't see how it would be possible to live long term in England. Personally, I wouldn't. I couldn't see how they could live long term mm. in England and not speak English. In terms of integrating and being confident and being, you know, autonomous and and participating in life there fully and not being dependent on other people, if that's what integration really means. How old are your kids, Lisa? I've got a three-year-old called Daniel yep. and a one-year-old called Sophia. Oh, well, they're, they're the perfect age to be brought up bilingual, aren't they? Yeah, well, Daniel is a chatterbox and he's completely bilingual um, in Spanish and English. Yep. Um, Sophia, obviously, is not saying so many words now, but Daniel is completely... Obviously, he speaks with me in English and with his, with his daddy in, um, in Spanish, and, and he changes between the two languages. He even dreams in two languages wow. because I hear him sleep talking. Wow. And he'll definitely speak in the two languages. That's the way so to do completely, it. Lisa, yeah. listen, we have to move on. Thank you very much. Lisa Williams, who moved to Spain in 2005. That's the age. I've got a little niece who's four. She's trilingual. It's kind of bilingual with a little bit of tri. She speaks flips between Swedish and English and a bit of Greek as well every now and then. It's incredible. That's the age. 
Uh, well, I'm joined now by Kelvin Hopkins, MP for Luton North, and uh, he joins me. Good morning, Kelvin. Morning, Lee. Should we be cutting the benefits for those people who can't speak our language? Well, I think that's, that's a bit harsh. I mean, uh, you know, encouraging people to learn English is always very sensible, and I would think most people who come to Britain over time do learn English especially those who are out and about in society Do you working. really believe that Kelvin? Because there are I, I see it every day, lots of people who don't speak any English. Well how many of those have just arrived very recently I mean there are some communities where perhaps the, the elderly ladies stay at home and don't get out and they, they, they would have great, much more great greater difficulty but the children all learn English because they go to school that those who go out to work learn English uh, steadily uh, and of course you know that that that's that's happened um, I mean the, the reality is that it's only one in 450 people in Britain doesn't speak English one in 450 is not a lot compared in other countries and of course the British aren't very good at speaking well no of course not either. but if, if it's so few then why is Luton Borough Council spending more than £130,000 over eight months for the translation services well I think we have a concentration of people who've emigrated from, from other countries and uh, I personally believe that if this is the case and uh, it's to do with immigration control so the government wants these things they should they should you know it should be funded centrally rather well, than locally. I'm confused, Kelvin. You, on the one hand, you're saying there aren't that many people who don't speak English, and on the other hand, you're saying, well, yeah, but we should still have these translation services. Well, I mean, you have to have translation, things like courts and police and that sort of thing. You've got to have translation services. But I think, you know, they should, they should be... Fun- well, because people, you know, you want to be able to understand what people are saying. If somebody's in court or giving evidence or going to uh, the police want to interview somebody they've got to be able to understand each other um but i think those the, don't, I come, would don't say, come and commit any crimes well i mean if they might be actually having crimes committed against them rather than committing yep. crimes you know? yeah so i mean I, I but i think you know if there is and the actual amount if you've told is not vast compared with the numbers of people in luton i would suggest no it's you're right it's not vast but when on the same show we're also talking about libraries closing down uh, it, it, it does seem that, that some people uh, might think money is being spent in the wrong areas and well, that translation services is, is not a priority. Well, in, in all public expenditure, you can always rob people to pay Paul. I think the overall level of spending on public services is too low. It's being cut, and I'm opposed to those cuts. It's, you know, cutting uh, valuable services like libraries. I, I don't actually agree with government policy in these matters, and I've said so many times. But, uh, you know, if we just sort of look at some relatively small budget and say we want to take that to save perhaps one or two um, jobs in, in another area, I think that's that's really a, a mean approach to it. What we ought to be able to do is saying government has got to, you know, spend where spending is needed and, uh, you know, and I, I've argued, as I say, I've argued this case many times in the House of Commons. Why should we pay benefits to people who are limiting the jobs they can go for by not speaking English? Um, well, I mean, you know, people have to be treated equally and fairly. That's always the case. If we're talking about immigration controls, well, that's another matter. And, of course, uh, you know, I think that the, the border Borders Agency, now, now with the Home Office, has been feeble over the last Well, no, I wasn't decades. talking about immigration controls. I was talking specifically about paying benefits to people who, who don't speak, for, who are here legally, but don't speak English. And, and they are limiting themselves to where they can work, aren't they? Well, well they're not... I don't doubt these people are deliberately not learning English. They just come from foreign countries fairly recently, can't speak English. Um, but if they have... 
social rights, de- de- you know, defined in law, our law, that they have be- can have benefits. That that's fair enough. I think they should be encouraged to learn English. They should provide, you know, we should, should put on classes to help them learn English. And the great majority will want to learn English. I would have thought. I mean, I, I you know, speak a little French, but I mean, learning a foreign language is quite difficult. I work hard at my French every year when I go to France, and and it is it is quite a struggle. Kelvin, thank you very much uh, indeed. We have to move on. Kelvin Hopkins, MP for Luton North. 8.15, let's get the travel with Monsieur, that Spanish, Adam Glynn. French. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Buenos dias. Uh, I, I did Spanish a very long time ago. The A1, as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout, it's looking a little bit slow at the Barford Bypass. Back to Eaton Soken, it's where the queue looks like it is at the minute. As you continue down the A1M, it's running reasonably well, actually, at the moment on the speed sensors. But into London, it's slow in Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10, heavy traffic, Winston Churchill Way in Chesant. It's looking quite slow through Enfield from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. Delays around the M25 anti-clockwise into the roadworks section past Junction 25 and then through the works. Once you're beyond them, it's slow from the M1 to the M40 Junction 21 to 16. London Midland and Virgin have half-hour delays. Milton Keynes Central to Watford Junction. It's all because of overrunning engineering works between Bletchley and Berkhamsted. Greater Anglia, 20-minute delays. Bishop Stortford to Cambridge because of a signalling problem at Stansted Mount Fitchett, affecting the Stansted Express as well. And then into London, Metropolitan Line and Piccadilly Line tubes, both running with minor delays now because of the signal failure at Ricelip. And it's affecting them through toward Uxbridge. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's Wednesday the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's understood train services have resumed at Potter's Bar following a security alert which led to the station being evacuated earlier this morning. The MP for South West Bedfordshire is criticising Luton Borough Council for spending over £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. In sport, in last night's friendlies, not real football games, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road whilst Stevenage lost 3-0 at home to Championship side Leeds, but don't really count. Coming up, I want to save libraries. I have ideas. BBC Three Counties Radio. This best of podcast is now available. It's definitely worth a listen because there's things like, well, sports that aren't actually sports. Listen, have you looked up the definition of sport? I don't need to. I'm a human being, Jeffrey. I know what sports are. A little bit about keeping cool. Eee. That's the Fonzie for you kids. Can I ask you a personal question, Dennis? Certainly. Are you naked? Yes. Oh! Now, all rounded off with a touch of UK holidays and why I think they're awful. You should be supporting our country, not going to Spain and getting Spanish tummy. Get it via our website at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. That was me doing a trail for me. Trail for Tim is here. Tim, do you know who Una Stubbs is? Is she a baroness? <laughs> no! That's Una someone. Who's the, the baroness Una? Una King. Oh, it's not the same person. No, 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 not in the slightest. Oh. This is. Can someone. Right, 08459 
You're not going until we get a phone call. She oh, sounds northern. Una stops. Is she, is she from Last of Summer Wine? Oh, she probably is in it now, actually. 08459 455 555. Can someone phone up and tell Tim who Una Stubbs is? Please. Please. I'm working with uneducated children here. This is the BBC. You should... Look, forget people coming to learn English. You, people who work here should have to do a course on British culture. And question 3A should be name two television programmes that Una Stubbs has been in. Um, keep me up appearances. Oh! The, the phones are ringing. Get the phones. Put someone through on the phones. There's now. someone Paul, phoning to have Paul's a go in at me. Morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. Can you believe the idiots, and I don't <laughs> use that term lightly, the <laughs> idiots I have to work with here at Three Counties Radio? Um, yes, I can, unfortunately. Oh, you've oh. been listening for a while, That's have you? Nice. Yeah, Thanks, Paul. Paul, would you like to educate uh, a member of, of uh, the team here, please? Morning, Paul. Yeah. Good, good morning, Tim. Um, Eunice Stubbs was, uh, is an actress. Yeah, and Baroness. she played um, the daughter-in-law to Alf Garnet uh, in Till Death Us Do Part. I can't think off the top of my head what else she's been in. All right, well, Paul, listen, stay there. Yeah. Listen, uh, Graham's in. Li- uh, Graham. Good morning, Graham. You've got you can educate um, Paul and Tim. Well, Eunice Stubbs, um, apart from being the great granddaughter of Ebenezer Howard, she currently plays Mrs. Hudson in Sherlock, and she was in films and. Uh, as a dancer and singer in the 60s. Right, hang on a second. What? Why is nobody saying the three, the, the two really, really obvious things? She's a baroness. But she's not a baroness, what? Tim. What, what was she in? Right, okay. Oh, right, but Paul and Graham. Yes. She was in three really big, thi- big things, oh, okay? Wurzel Yes, there Wurzel we go. Wurzel Gummidge, that's oh, not that's big. Right, yes. She was Aunt Sally in Wurzel Gummidge. Wurzel yes, Gummidge, that's, and that's a movie about like a, a scarecrow that sleepwalks or something like that. <laughs> She's also... Is Wurzel Gummidge different from Greengrass, from Heartbeat? She's also... Not much. She's also in a Cliff Richard film. Summer Holiday. Thank you very much. Okay, and let me give you um, another clue. Let me give you a clue. uh, (laughs) I'm giving you a clue. Three words. It's a television show. The third word is clue. Oh, give us a clue. It's four oh, words. Four words. Give us a clue. Give yeah. us a clue. Wurzel Gummidge, yeah. Summer Holiday, and the stuff that these... Well, no, it's, it's useful that you've got these correspondents quickly on the line with all their in-depth knowledge of uh, Paul this and Graham, Stubbs. thank you so much for... You're, you're both my official Unistubs correspondents. Who do you think you are tonight with uh, talking all about... Oh, she's on telly tonight! How thank topical. you! There we go, thank you. There's, when I say official, there's no money in it. Now... Right. She, she, she's so on she, she, and she doesn't know who she is. Is that a why? Why doesn't she, she know who who she is? For goodness sakes! You, I know you're going to be talking about speaking English in a bit. You you really do need to learn it a little bit. Yeah, re- interested in your discussion this you're morning. You're as bad obviously. as Justin Dealey. Uh, no, I I think I've probably made more efforts to learn foreign languages than Justin Dealey. Is Justin there? Justin, Are you two quite finished yet? Why? Knocking me again. Will you I, carry on? I, no, you carry on, go uh, on. His fader's off. Fine. You do your thing and then we'll yes. speak to Justin. He's um, really getting on my nerves at the moment. Loving your discussion this morning. Um, £133,000 on translation services spent uh, in between April and December at Luton Borough Council. Now, I worked this out uh, with some basic math of £16,000 a month. Which does sound like quite a lot of money. I know in the overall council budget... It's half my salary, it's ridiculous. Is it? <laughs> uh, yearly. Uh, um, the thing is... Surely it's down to the government who, to decide who comes into the country. They make those decisions, not Luton Borough Council or any of our local councils. Once people are here, we have to deal with the situation. We have to deal with the problem that they either speak good English or they don't. Yep. 
for me, it's it's almost a little bit Darwinian. If you do speak good English, presumably you'll have access to the best jobs. You'll be able to get ahead. If you don't speak as good English, you won't have the same opportunities. If, you'll have to do various jobs that yeah. don't require you to speak brilliant if English. You, if you don't speak as good English, you're correct, yes. Yes. Now, I just wonder, is it really that much of a problem if someone comes over here uh, and their first language isn't English, they speak a little bit of English, not very much at all, uh, and they, their boss, let's say they want to be a taxi driver, the boss of their firm speaks the same language as they did back at home, they get a job driving a taxi, and then over a period of how many years, I don't know, does it matter, they gradually pick up the language. Is that a problem? Because my, uh, well, he will be my brother-in-law probably one day if we get married, he moved to Spain about 15 years ago he's got a Spanish wife he moved over there he uh, runs restaurants he's been running restaurants successfully Mm. he employs dozens and dozens of Spanish speakers and if uh, uh, BBC Tres Radio in Spain had have gone up to him, if Justine O'Dealy had have approached him in the street <coughs> after he'd lived in Spain for about five years yep. and asked him, do you speak good English? Have you been? He, he, wouldn't, he would appear to not speak the language. Yep. Now, we're talking 15 years on, he can speak quite good Spanish. Okay. It hasn't stopped him going over there, setting up a business. I just wonder, how important is it? Does it really matter? If you want to come over here and do some kind of a, a hands-on job... Mm. I think you need to try to learn. I totally agree. And I think we should all do a bit more to try and get people learning English. But I wonder, you know, last night on that programme... Well, we had on Channel 4, we had immigrant families living with native families and doing like an immersion technique of learning English. Yes. Maybe all the people that are they're calling the radio station this morning uh, saying that they, they hate the fact that people don't speak English in the town centre, you might think this is crazy. Why don't we all offer to volunteer half an hour a week to someone else to help them learn English is that a crazy idea volunteer half an hour of your time to help someone else I'm learn there. English I'm up for that definitely Justin, Justin actually... would, you, would you do that yeah I think so yeah what is wrong with you this, Tim's doing it we'll do it in a second Tim, he's going please. on a bit though isn't he well listen I want to ask the question this morning please does please. it really matter if you can't speak good English in this country I think you should try, yep. but does it really matter if you can't? Justin, mm. you, I don't know why you've been brought into this. I've been told I have to... Well, I was going to say, I've been in Luton recently. Yeah. I found uh, 16 people in 30 minutes we know. who couldn't speak English. It wasn't hard to find those people. I've been out, uh, out and about again this morning in, getting some more views. There is a fascinating point at the end of this piece. Uh, this is what people have had to say to me this morning about speaking English. You want me to press the button? Yes, please. Please? Please. So, you came to the UK back in 1990. Do you think everyone living in the UK should be speaking English? Yes, uh, all the people who are coming to UK should have uh, basic communication skills in English so that they can make their day-to-day activities outside their home and everywhere in English. They, they, they should understand and be able to speak basic English. Yeah. They, they can keep their own culture, traditions, language at home outside as well but they need to learn uh, language and the traditions of the place where they are coming as well yeah yes well the communication to begin with i think um there's a lot of people who i know of quite a few um, f- uh, friends of my son's families that uh, only mainly the children speak english uh, so, yes, Justin. Only the children who speak English. Great point at the end there, because uh, the parents aren't, but the children are. Now, you're saying to me this morning, you're saying that, well, does it really matter? You know, yes. people can come here, they can work here without speaking the language. Well, I've not found anybody so far who says to me, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you can certainly live in this country, you can integrate in this country without speaking English. I cannot find those people. But the thing is, Justin, I'll go in a second here, I know you've got to get on with the show, but the thing is, Thanks. imagine if you lived in a country that was less good than the UK, like, 
we're lucky to live in the UK. If you lived somewhere where it was much harder to get any kind of work, where the life opportunities for you and your kids were virtually zero, surely your first priority would be coming to the UK. And if the UK government says it's okay for you to come, your first priority is coming here, meeting people that can understand you, and getting work. Your first priority is not necessarily going to be going to, you know, late-night colleges to learn English. I'm, I think I'm you should try to learn English. No, but it is very hard. I'm going to stop both of you there. This is my show. I want to speak to All Jim right. Brooks about libraries in a second. Tim, out. See you later. Dealey, go off and harass... My point was... No, I'm not interested. I'm not... I'm literally not interested, Justin. This is the second day in a row, mate. No. My show. Go out and get a Vox on something. Seriously? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about libraries closing, uh, fears that Luton's mobile library service uh, could go, as well as two libraries at Wigmore and Sundon Park. Well, Jim Brooks chairs the charity Friends of Little Chalfont Library, which saved his local library in South Bucks. Jim, how important are local libraries? Uh, Hello, Ian. They're the hub of the community. They're absolutely critical to a number of people in any community. For example... Uh, we have people visiting the library, such as old people, who may never leave their house if the library didn't exist. What happened in Little Chalfont, and, and, and how did you manage to save it? It sounds like quite an achievement. Uh, it was a big battle. In 2006, Bucks County Council decided to close a number of libraries. And to cut a long story short, we put up a big battle uh, to stop the closure. But Bucks were adamant. So in the end, we decided rather than having no library, we'd try and take it over ourselves. And so we put a business plan together uh, showing we could actually do that at no cost to the county. And after a lot more debate, they eventually let us go ahead in 2007. Well, if there's, if there's no cost to the county, it would be pretty hard and pretty mean of them to refuse that, wouldn't it? It was their insistence it'd be at no cost. In fact, they charged us for everything, including a wow. management fee. Wow. Uh, in the case of uh, the, the libraries we're hearing about, what can the people of Luton do to, to save their libraries? Well, I think they need to make a decision. I mean, I guess they've already gone through the protest stage. I mean, you've obviously got to put together petitions. You've got to lobby your local uh, councillors. You've got to get in local and national media. But if that doesn't work and you have a council that adamant they're going to close, close the library down, then you've got to make a choice. Do you want to take it over and do you have the capability? Uh, Jim, uh, the library's still going well in uh, Little Chalfont? Yep, six and a half years down the line. Uh, issues are up, number of visitors are up. Uh, we're even the local cinema now. Oh, fantastic. And finally, what book are you reading right now? What book am I reading? Yeah. I'm not reading any book. I'm far too busy, Ian. Jim, you write... Hang on a second. You've saved a library and you're not reading books? I'm actually talking to communities all over the country, Good even as we speak, trying Good to help you. them. Jim, it's great for you. You've managed to join us. Thanks very much. Uh, that's Jim Brooks, chairman of the Friends of Little Chalfont Library. Well, the decision will be made on the future of Luton's libraries next Monday. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Northbound on the M1, reports of queues after a three-vehicle accident between Junction 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. Lane 1 apparently is blocked, thanks to Paul who gave us a call. The A1 is still looking slow from Eaton Soken toward the Black Cat roundabout and delays into London on the A1 as you go through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10 through Chesant, heavy traffic at Winston Churchill Way, slow on the other side of the M25 through Enfield, Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road and on the M25 there are delays from the M11 through 
through to Enfield in the roadworks. And as you continue round, stop-start traffic from the M1 through to the M40, junction 21 to 16. Good news for the trains, because London Midland and Virgin Trains pretty much back on timetable now after the overrunning engineering works between Bletchley and Berkhamsted, and Greater Anglia are back to normal as well, Bishop Stortford to Cambridge after a signalling problem. There are, however, minor delays for the Piccadilly line, Rainers Lane to Uxbridge after signal failure at Ryslip, and the Metropolitan line running with disruption northbound from Harrow on the Hill to Moore Park because of a signal failure at Harrow on the Hill. Tickets are being taken on local buses. It means the northbound local line has been closed. Passengers for Watford and for Croxley are advised to catch high-speed services and change at Rickmansworth. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. It's understood train services have resumed at Potter's Bar following a security alert which led to the station being evacuated earlier this morning. The MP for South West Bedfordshire is criticising Ludenborough Council for spending over £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. And a man will appear in court this morning accused of murdering PC Keith Blakelock during the Broadwater Farm Riots in North London nearly 28 years ago. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In last night's friendlies, Luton beat Premier League side Aston Villa 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. A great result for Hatter's scorers John Shaw and Jake Howells, but not so good for Christian Benteke, who was playing his first game since deciding to stay at Villa after all. Meanwhile, Stevenage lost 3-0 at home to Championship side Leeds. The pre-season friendlies continue tonight with matches for Watford, Milton Keynes, Dons and Wickham. Jan Franco Zola will take Watford to Peterborough and is hoping his new signings will gain more valuable experience into life in England. I want them to, to get accustomed to what is like over here and uh, and I want them to start uh, th- uh, working out uh, solutions. Milton Keynes Dons host Spanish side Rayo Vallecano with a 7.30pm kickoff at Stadium MK and Wicker make the short trip to Burnham again. That kicks off at 7.30. Newlywed Jessica Ennis-Hill made her return from injury at a low-profile meeting in Loughborough last night. She threw a personal best in the javelin and won the long jump, but she's still unsure about her prospects for next month's World Championships. More from our athletics correspondent Mike Costello. Ennis-Hill had delayed her return to action five times and any frustration appeared to be cast aside as she threw a lifetime best effort of 48 metres, 33 centimetres in the javelin. She then won the long jump but revealed afterwards that the Achilles problem which had sidelined her is still painful. She'll assess how the ankle responds now in the run-up to the London Anniversary Games where she's entered in the long jump and the sprint hurdles on Saturday. Having not completed a heptathlon since the Olympics, Ennis Hill is adamant she won't go to next month's World Championships in Moscow if she doesn't believe she can win gold. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 8.34... Uh, here till nine o'clock, then Tim will be sitting in for JVS, and it's a cracking listen, so I do thoroughly recommend. Uh, we're talking about libraries. Uh, we'll be hearing from Irene, who was celebrating the birth of the royal baby in Luton. But before that, should people who come to this country learn English? It's been uh, revealed that uh, Luton County Council spent over £130,000 uh, on translation services over a period of eight months. Stuart's in Bedford. Stuart, what do you think? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, um, yeah. The people who come to this country, yeah, they they have the option. They can learn to speak the language or or, or not speak the language. But when it comes to using the, the services that they need, 
then they should have to pay for them. It's just a straightforward option, isn't it? Yeah. But if, if, if someone only speaks, let's say, Urdu, for example, yeah. and they are the victim of a very serious crime, why should they pay for translation services uh, in a court? Yeah, probably in, in a court, yeah, I would agree, yeah, probably ah. they, need, they need the services. But as far as anything else, if they need to go to the doctors, go to the hospital, then if okay. they need an interpreter, they should pay for them. Well, let, OK, well, let's, let's try another one. You fell at the first hurdle. Let's, try, let's see if we can approach the second hurdle. All of the first hurdle. So, so you've been going round and round in circles for a long, long time. Well, no, you, you fell in as much as you said, that first of all, they should pay for all the translation services. Then you, then you we... necessarily pay for all. They should pay for translation services. OK, pa- apart from pay, in courts. In a, in, a, in a court, yeah, if they need OK, to. let me try another one. Fine. Let's try another one. Here comes the second hurdle. Let's see if we can clear it. Uh, there is someone who only speaks Polish... Their child has been knocked down by a car. They rush them to A&E. Should yeah. they have to pay for the translation services there, or should they be provided? Possibly, but in a, in a, in a case like that, the, the doctors can see what is the problem anyway, so they will be treating the child anyway. OK, if the child so is... if the child need, is, you don't need translation services. OK, if the child is, uh, has an unknown problem that turns out to be life-threatening... Uh, but they, they need to uh, tell the doctor what the symptoms are. Should they pay for the translation services there? Well, the child will know the symptoms. I'm not saying most of the children... The child's unconscious in this, in this scenario. Well, then, well, then the, the, the person there is not going to be able to tell them what the child is suffering, will they? Well, they, they, they'll be able the to say doctor, the symptoms, whether they've been passing the blood or something. This is what the doctors are there for, to investigate, to find out what is wrong with that child and treat that child appropriately. But, but so that they, you 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 just give them an unconscious child. You don't tell them what the symptoms leading up to that um, that passing out were. Well, you, you can't if if the child has been brought in for, uh, in an emergency. Then uh, well, you you tell you tell the doctor what led up to that emergency, don't you? Well, you you can do, yeah. It, well, it so, helps. Yeah, but but still. We're still going back to the same point. Yeah. They use the services; they pay for the services. So, even if so, apart from in court, uh, but if a child's life is is at risk, then they should pay for the services. Yes. Okay. Thank you very yep. much, That's Stuart in Bedford, uh, who thinks that foreigners should pay for translation services if a child's life is at risk. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do elderly people living in rural communities in the three counties get a fair deal? It's an issue that's troubling MPs on the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee. They're concerned that funding is being directed towards urban areas at the expense of services for villages and countryside locations. Earlier on in the show, I spoke to Conservative MP Anne McIntosh, who chairs the committee. Her focus seems to be getting high-speed broadband to all rural areas. But I question whether broadband was a luxury rather than a given right. I think people take it as a fact of everyday life now, and certainly if you look at the farming community, they are required by DEFRA to fill the paperwork, uh, all the farm forms online. Can you imagine the frustration, even when you're doing it from your own home, your own farm, when halfway through the dial-up or halfway through the transaction, you lose everything because you lose the connection. It's not fair. Well, Alan Appling is the treasurer of the ca- treasurer, sorry, of the campaign to protect rural England Bedfordshire branch, and also chairs Cardington Parish Council. Joins me now. Morning, Alan. Good morning. Do rural areas miss out financially compared to towns and cities? I think that's a, that's a, a tricky one. Um, from the point of view of CPRE, you realise I'm speaking with sort of two hats here. Yes. Uh, from CPRE's point of view, we, it, you have to accept that living in a rural area uh, is, imposes different conditions on you from living in an urban area. 
Um, and uh, there are bound to be some differences. For example, one of the uh, ones that affects lots of people is bus services. Mm. Um, it simply isn't, uh, uh, it isn't feasible to provide the same sort of access to all uh, facilities for all, all country dwellers as it is for uh, uh, urban uh, dwellers. Um, Isn't that one of the joys of living in a rural community, that you are, it, it is quieter and slower than living in a city? Well, absolutely. Um, and uh, that's something, it's a way of life that CPRE wants to preserve. Um, there's no point in uh, providing um, services with uh, to rural areas if it comes at the expense of developing it into an urban area. Mm. Um, so uh, that's the uh, the position of, of CPRE particularly. It's about um, appropriate development and uh, stimulating thriving communities which are rural but nevertheless uh, financially and socially feasible. Are you aware of any services locally which, which are obviously suffering from a lack of investment? Well, uh, not disproportionately. Um, speaking as a, a, as a, a parish councillor now, um, I'm, I'm not aware that uh, old people, for example, in this village are at a particular disadvantage. We do have uh, quite a, a large proportion of older people living in the village. Indeed, we have eight almshouses in our village for uh, elderly people. Um, we, uh, there are some, uh, we, we, we are lucky in this village with a very good bus service. Uh, <coughs> that isn't true for everybody. Um, we also have a very fine farm shop, which is a good thing, but it exists because it serves a very much wider area. It draws people into the village, and that's why it's financially viable, so we're lucky in that regard. There are um, issues around the edge. For example, um, may seem trivial, but grass cutting is, uh, is a, a particular issue here. We're a small village, uh, about 125 households with a large uh, and very beautiful village green. And the amount of money that we uh, are allocated by through the uh, um, community charge to cut the grasses is, is totally insufficient to keep it in good order. So uh, we have to find uh, monies to, uh, to do that rather more. And I think this is true for many villages and indeed, we have discussed it in the past with the, uh, with the Borough Council. Um, and uh, it, <coughs> there are small things like that, which are nevertheless uh, uh, quite important. Alan, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. That's Alan Appling, uh, Treasurer of the Campaign to Protect Rural England Bedfordshire Branch. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. So, Luton Borough Council, over a period of eight months, spent over £130,000 on translation services. Simple question. Should you have to learn English if you come to this country? Matt's in Luton. Morning, Matt. Hello. Hello, Matt. Oh, hello, Matt. Matt, what do you think? Should you have to learn English if you come to this country? Of course. Pourquoi? Um, when I came to this country in 1958 from Ireland, yep. I was a bit green round the edges and I, I didn't speak very good at English. Well, people wouldn't understand what I was talking about. What did you speak? Did you speak Gaelic? No, I spoke English, but what? it was very bad English. Okay. I, got, I happened to get a butcher's job. 
And I worked in a butcher shop and I was told I had to brush up my English because people wouldn't understand me. But you got a job and people couldn't understand you, so... Yes, yes, yes. Then then surely it should be okay. It should... Well, you did get a job. Yeah, but I had to make the effort to brush up my English and improve it. Right, but you did get a job when people couldn't understand you, so it does prove that you can get work and it's not necessary for you to know English to get work. Sorry, you got me wrong. The question you asked, should we be... Should we have to speak English oh, in no, our but English I'm, country? You're right. I'm just going from your example, though, Matt, that, that you know, we, we don't have to stick to that specific question. It's a conversation, so we can kind of dance around the edges slightly. Yeah, but you, you dance around the edges for your, for your benefit. Well, no, I like to investigate all aspects. Round, don't you? Well, no, 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 Matt. I just like to investigate all aspects of a conversation. It's what we would do if we were having a conversation in the pub. We wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you one specific question, and then for the next three hours we'd stick to that. We'd we'd in, kind of talk around it, wouldn't we? Yeah, but here's the reason. Now I'm speaking English to you, and you can understand exactly what I'm saying. Huh? You can understand what I'm saying. But but you, all, I just one point that you said uh, was that you got a job when people couldn't understand you. So it's well, not essential for people to speak English to get work. I got the job, but I was told I had right. to improve my English. Okay, and and you have done that excellently. Yes, I'm so pleased that you are telling me, and I'm so pleased to be able to speak English because I'm in an English country. Well, you're in England. When you're in France, you speak French. When you're in Italy, you speak Italy. My son went to Italian. France. And he spoke, he learned French straight away. He learned French. He had to. Yes. Yes. He says, it's only proper. It's only proper, Ian. Are you watching High School School Musical? No. What's that music I can hear in the background? I'm listening to, uh, I don't like his show, uh, The Gingerhead Knob in the Mornings. Chris Evans. Um, Yeah, Chris Evans. Okay, so you're listening to Chris Evans and phoning me? Well, yes. Isn't it great? It's great. It's Ma- England, isn't it? It's England, and we can do that. Apologies. Apologies, I don't know. Apologies to anyone who It is category D, but I still have to say a little apology there. But it is England, and what's great about England, you can listen to the gingerhead gentleman and phone me. Oh, God bless this country and the royal baby and all who sail in her. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio brings a tear to the eye. At the M1 southbound, we've got problems as you come down from Northamptonshire toward uh, Milton Keynes. It's looking very busy. Junction 15 at Northampton to the Newport Pagnell services after an accident. That's been moved to the hard shoulder, but it's causing delays. And we've just had a call from Mark on the M1 northbound. There's a lane blocked off by a three-vehicle accident between Junction 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. Delays of around 25 minutes already. It's lane three, the outside lane that's been blocked. Emergency services are on the scene and long tailbacks. Bedford Southern Bypass, the A421, looking really slow westbound. Reports of queues and a broken down lorry just after the junction with Harrodon Road. Laura called us about that one. M25 anti-clockwise slow into the roadwork section, busy from the M11 back in Essex through to Potter's Bar. Slow again from Kings Langley to the M40. Delays on the A1 up at the Black Cat roundabout into London through Boreham Wood. The A10 slow through Chesant and through Enfield all on the southbound side and on the tubes. Metropolitan line disrupted northbound from Harrow on the Hill up to Moor Park because of a signal failure. The northbound local line has been shut. Passengers for Watford and Croxley advised to catch high-speed services and change at Rickmansworth. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 
8.46. It's Wednesday the 24th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's understood train services have resumed at Potter's Bar following a security alert which led to the station being evacuated earlier this morning. The MP for South West Bedfordshire is criticising Luton Borough Council for spending over £130,000 on translation services in the last eight months. In sport, the pre-season friendlies continue tonight. Watford play Peterborough, MK Dons take on Rayover Lack... Yeah, whatever. And Wickham travel to Burnham. Coming up, it's a boy! Well, that's what Irene in Luton was shouting yesterday to celebrate the royal birth. You can hear what happened in a uh, uh, an exclusive radio first. A woman walking around Luton and shouting. But before that, here's the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've had some sunshine this morning. A distinctively different feel to the day. Less humid, less sticky than it has been for the last few. But we're still hanging on to the warmth. Now, variable amounts of clouds. We've got quite a lot moving in across parts of Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire at the moment. But towards the east of the region, it's actually quite sunny. Some higher clouds, so the sunshine a bit hazy. And that's really the story for the day. Variable amounts of clouds, sunny spells. Very slim chance of a shower, unlikely though for most of us, but the temperature expected to get up to around 26 or even 27 Celsius, so another warm one, 81 degrees in Fahrenheit, just not quite as sweaty. A really nice end to the day, some evening sunshine, clear night, it's uh, really towards dawn tomorrow, we'll start to see the cloud develop and then some light patchy rain arrive through tomorrow morning as well. It's a warm night, built up areas likely to get around 16 or 17 Celsius as the minimum towards the countryside more like 14 or 15 so for tomorrow rather grey start some rain around but it will move out of the way dry and brighter tomorrow afternoon and again we're hanging on to the warmth that's your forecast If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bb. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Should people who come to this country have to learn English? Alan is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Ian. What can I do for you, sir? I think everyone uh, that comes to this country ought to pay for their own translation. Um, Even if um, they're a victim of crime and they go to court? Yep. Well, even, even if they've been uh, physically attacked or their child's been murdered and, and they should pay for the translation services there? Can you name me any, any one country where we go to that we don't have to pay for translation services? doesn't mean we, we should be as bad as uh, the, the Continentals. Well, people come to this country, they get free NHS. Yep. They get free benefits. They get free translation. They, they're not trying to do anything for themselves. Well, I think... It's given to them. I think they are trying to do things for themselves, aren't they, Alan? Well, you tell the amount of people that come to this country, they've been here for years and years, tens of years, some of them, yep. and still haven't got jobs. How many? Ma- speak English. You say the amount of people. How, how many? What, what are the numbers? Well, I don't know personally. It's well, then you don't know if it's... It, it, it could be one. It could be millions. You don't know, do you? That's the thing. When, we, when we're throwing out, you know, potential figures, we have to be accurate, don't we? Otherwise it creates fear and hatred. 
that's already around, unfortunately. Well, let's try and dismantle that fear and hatred by, by not throwing out made-up figures, to start with. Yeah, well, the thing is, Ian, the more you give away like this, the more fear and hatred it produces. Alan, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Now, the country had its first glimpse of the new prince last night. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge left hospital with their son yesterday evening, just over 24 hours after he was born. He's got a good pair of lungs on him, that's for sure. Uh, he's, uh, he's a big boy, he's quite heavy, but uh, we're still working on a name, so we'll have that as soon as we can. But uh, it's the first time we've seen him, really, so having a proper chance to catch up. Prince Big Lungs, there we go, he's named it. Well, I know one person who will have been very pleased to have seen the TV footage of the new baby yesterday. Irene from Luton. It was at this time yesterday that uh, she was on the programme. She was so excited about the new royal arrival that she planned her day to mark what she sees as a huge occasion. I'll be going round town in my British flag, me and a few girls, Mm. and we're celebrating the birth of the grandson. Why? Because I love Lady Diana. One, she's born the same month as me. What? Now her grandson is born the same month as me. So, you know, I'm going out to celebrate, and me and a few girls going downtown, Luton Town yeah. Centre, and we're celebrating the birth and making sure everybody in Luton know that she has a boy. I'm going to make sure I shout it. Go on, shout it nice and loud now. Congratulations! It's a boy. Anything else? Oh, uh, No. Royal Britannia. Anything else you want to shout? Yeah, God bless him and keep him. Well, Royal Britannia indeed. Well, just I didn't. I thought she was having a laugh. I didn't think she'd do it. We sent Justin Dooley to find out. Justin. Oh, Ian, fantastic. Do you know what I love about the royal family? Yep. It brings out lovely, crazy, happy people. I was there yesterday with yep. Irene in Luton Town Centre. It was uh, quite an afternoon. This is what happened. So, Irene, the time's what? 12.35. We're outside the town hall here in Luton. Tell us what you're wearing, first of all. I'm wearing the Union Jack. Well, with things underneath, but the Union Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's see you've got here as well with you today. Yeah, I've got my sisters with me. We are family. Yes, we're making the effort because, you know what? They said Luton is dull. Luton is not dull because I live here and we're happy people. If you're here, Luton's certainly not dull. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to stand back and let you guys sing in a second. Right, good luck. Yes, OK. Happy birthday. King of Cambridge. Happy birthday. King of Cambridge. Happy birthday. Prince of Cambridge. Hello. It's a boy. It's a boy. You know it's a boy, isn't it? I know it's a boy, yeah. His name's going to be Edward. Goodness me, when I joined the BBC, this wasn't in the brochure. But let's keep on walking through the town centre. They are telling people it's a boy. Sir, can I just get your reaction? We've got a number of ladies walking through Luton Town Centre here, dressed up in uh, Union Jack outfits. They're telling people it's a boy. Did you know it was a boy? Yep, knew it was a boy, yeah. Well, this is awkward. Hello. You know she had a boy, in it? Madam, these ladies are spreading love in Luton. Are they doing it for you? Absolutely, yes. I'll, I'll take as much love as you've got. <laughs> Just to confirm again, you did know it was a boy. Absolutely, £8.6. Irene, what's next on the playlist? 
Oh, Royal Britannia. Right, rule, I'm going to stand rule, back. Rule, 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 Britannia. Oh, U-L-E, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> this seriously. Right, I'm going to stand back. Take it away. Rule, Britannia, Britannia rules the way. applause for yourself come on fantastic just going to ask this man here sir sorry to interrupt your ice cream what flavour is that by the way I'm not sure caramel what did you make of that performance there oh very good very good very unexpected is it making you feel proud to be British Uh, 50-50 actually and what about yourself what's your name madam Uh, Yvonne does that make you feel proud to be British yes does yeah it does and these outfits uh, do you fancy buying one yourself no Well, great work, Justin. Thanks, Doesn't Ian. Doesn't require a response. Irene's in Luton. She joins us now. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. Irene, do you know the words to any songs? <laughs> it's Rule Britannia. Britannia rules the waves. Okay, okay, all right. I did know the words. Do you feel you fulfilled your mission to spread the news of a baby boy to Luton? Oh, yes. What kind of reaction were you getting, Irene? I tell you, there were people who heard me on the radio that came down wow. and said to me that I made their day for them and they come down to, to see what we look like and everything like that. People were hailing us up. You know, there were some people... Hailing asked, you up? Why are you dressed like that? And I'm yeah. thinking, oh, don't you know my godson was born yesterday? What? And, you know, things like that. Did anybody think, um, like Justin did privately in the office, although he won't say it publicly, that you were being a bit weird, a bit over the top, a bit well, mental, a bit bonkers? The that I saw downtown, they said I'm a nutter anyway. Yep. They always call me that anyway. Yep. Yep. I'm a nutter. Just like the presenter called me a nutter, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. But did you have fun, Irene? That's the main thing. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, I've never had so much fun with my clothes. I mean, really good yesterday. You are. Really good. Hey, listen. Oh, you know, on a Friday morning, we do a live bit, bit of music and we get people in and singing and stuff. Yes. Do you and your girls fancy coming in one Friday? Of course. Yeah, we get you coming in. My sisters, Grace, Hildia, Corinne. Are, are they your literal sisters? Yeah, all of them, my sister. Then let's, let's, we'll tell you what, stay on the line. Kelly Betts will have a word with you and we'll sort you out coming in uh, one Friday morning. Okay. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be fine. Irene, we need more people like you. Thank you very much, my Thank dear. You. Ta-ta. Thank you. There Bye. we go. Well, that's, uh,. That's that sorted, and she'll be coming in on a Friday. Now, coming to the end. Uh, Just, you can go now. Coming. What? <laughs> what, what about the email? I, I don't want you reading it. I don't want you reading Adam the Adam Weatherall, dear sir slash madam, I felt compelled to write to you regarding the Ian Lee show this morning. 23rd of July, and how Mr Lee behaved during his show, really namely throwing his this? toys out of the pram do with an unprovoked tantrum directed towards his roving reporter colleague at the end of the programme. doesn't even know your name. He goes on. Yeah. He goes on and on. And by the way, I wasn't going to mention this, but um, oh, I might take your agent up on that offer. Um, your oh, agent phoned me yesterday after the show and said, Justin. you know what, Ian's rant this morning, how about a bouquet of flowers, a plus one at the Ivy? I said, no yesterday. Yeah, okay. He told me if you don't Dealing. complain you can have the milk. I might just accept it now you after th- your behaviour this morning. Are you the one that started this Facebook campaign to get me the sack? No, that's not me. That's just uh, one of our no, listeners. It's, not me. it's just one of our listeners. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Mm. Mm. Who talks like that? Who talks like that? Who talks like that? Bizarre. <laughs> Incredible. Get back here. Uh, this is... What's your problem now? 
Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. I'm really sorry. Three Counties Radio. Two days in a row, virtually a sackable offence. I'm sorry you had to hear that, dear listener. Right, let's get some trouble with Adam. Can we get Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And so we soldier on. The M1 northbound, there's a lane blocked by a three-vehicle accident between Junction 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. Congestion's back to Toddington at the services. It's taking around 35 minutes to get through, and it's lane three, the outside lane, that's blocked. Bedford Southern Bypass, this is the A421. A lane blocked by a broken-down lorry just after Harridan Road. That's looking quite slow. M25 anti-clockwise, busy through into the roadwork section, past Enfield toward Potter's Bar, and it's stop-start from Kings Langley to the M40. Delays along the A1, firstly up at the Black Cat roundabout. Not too bad, though, as you go past Sandy. It's slow into London, though, Boreham Wood, as you come past Stirling Corner. The A10 slow in Chesant and through Enfield, and delays on the trains this morning. East Midlands trains, 20-minute delays Bedford to St Pancras after a train broke down between Luton Airport, Parkway and Harpenden. First Capital Connect affected as well, plus 20-minute delays for Chilton, Rickmansworth to Marylebone. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you very much, Ian. Good morning. You're listening to the JVS Show. I'm Tim Wheeler, standing in for Jonathan.